step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Valverde. Show 258. And want to know what? It's the NFL playoffs, and that's fantasy football great. Let's get into this. We're ready to throw down the knowledge, give you the goo, talk to you guys, and talk through these uh, conference matchups in the NFL playoffs. And then we're going to go into, in segment two, talking about the uh, bitchin' and the bitch slaps. Fantasy football guys that gave you a lot of good times this year and other guys that gave you a lot of headaches. We'll talk through that and give a little bit of a spin on what to think about this year and what we saw over 2016 and what we can maybe expect from a couple of those players as well heading into next season for 2017. As usual, to my left, I've got Houdini in the mix. Cross the way, stag party. I am D-Rex. We are Pyromaniac.com. What's up, Smellas? Second show, 2017. Word them up. How about that awesome uh, national championship football game that we just saw between Clemson and Alabama where Nick Saban has been dethroned? Thank God. I hate that guy. He's my least favorite dude like there is around, Coach. Yeah, it was, that was a sick game. Yeah, it was great to watch. I mean, we saw NFL prospects all over the field both on offense and defense, so it was a great game to just get a gauge of you know, some guys that are going to be entering the league this year and how good they are. And this is definitely one of those drafts that's heavy on defensive players. We've seen over the last couple of years, 
defense is seem to be getting a little bit stronger with the youth movement that's coming in. So this could be start to be the turn of the tide where defense starts coming back a little bit. And now these offensive skill position players are going to have a tougher time. We'll see. I agree. That game was awesome. And let's think about it this way. Watson last year was thought of, you know, one more year. He's going to be the uh, consensus number one guy, hottest uh, player at the position since Cam Newton potentially. Then he slowed down, kind of petered out. Other guys came into the forefront and were kind of the, uh, the upper tier and upper echelon quarterbacks. The Bears were, you think, maybe could have had Watson. Then he has that kind of game. What he th- threw for like. 400 yards, right? And mm-hmm. everyone was killing it. Beautiful, beautiful victory. And now the discussion's right back up that he's at the very top of the draft. No one wants to let a winner like this get away. Could the Bears get him? Well, they have a great chance if you're picking third. So sure, the Bears could get him. But the, the, the reason why it's, it's interesting, if you look at all of his body of work, he hasn't done anything wrong. Everything that he's done, especially in the big games, playing in a major conference, uh, these are things that are, are are great, and he's done a fantastic job. Problem is, is his size. He's not uh, as big as Deshaun Kaiser, so he he has you know doesn't have those, those prototypicals, the ones that they're all like, okay, he's the perfect measurable of a quarterback. But the guy's a winner, and what they worry about, though, with that size is if he's going to run and, and do some of the things. And you saw him get rocked a couple times uh, in that game. He's 6'3 or 6'4, right? Yeah, he's 6'2, six probably 6'10. Okay. Probably okay. measure right in that you know fairly average range okay. where you won't be too mad about drafting. But he, he's got some, some, some skills. The thing is that you want to see more of is the deep ball accuracy. And that's something he really struggled with you know this season. So we'll see how that sort of ends up. You know, when he gets to throw at pro days and things along those lines. But remember, with these top quarterbacks, many of the decisions are already made. They've already got values. You're not going to change too much, you know, in this pre-draft process. There could be a guy who rises a little bit who maybe people haven't seen enough tape on. But people have seen Deshaun Watson's tape. They know where he is. And a lot of people agree that he'd be overvalued to take in the top five. But, you know, every year if somebody's overvalued, somebody makes a pick in the top five that everybody doesn't agree with. We'll see if it works out for the team that selects him down the line. They're also going to need to be smart. He's got to go to a team that can develop a quarterback because, you know, Cleveland Browns, we don't want a dual-threat quarterback. Are, are you dumb? Like, what? so, like, why would you say that? You don't want a quarterback who could do multiple things <laughs> and, you know, put pressure on a defense in multiple different ways. And, you know, potentially be a game changer. But, okay, we don't want to dual threat quarterback. But maybe smoke and mirrors. Maybe they're trying to make it seem like they don't want him so that somebody else wants to trade for him. Who knows? Maybe. But I, I love what I see with the guy. And, you know, who knows? You cannot, there's, no, there's no guarantees when you're taking these, this position. But it's the most important position in football. This guy's got his head on his shoulders straight. He's a hard worker. He'll work you out of the. Uh, he, he'll work at. He'll work hard for your franchise. He's not going like, to give you any off the field problems, and that's what I like. I don't know. I just feel like he, he might have some, uh, something special ahead of him. Well, from what stags, from what you said, I'm curious what the stat is. What is the percentage of the guys that were taken like in the top five that people thought were reaches, and how many of those were actually successes or failures? But because with the Bears. Picking at that at that spot, you got to He better be your guy, and it has to be pretty much a home run, especially for Pace in his third year uh, as a GM. So he he reached for Floyd. 
on, on the talent level there. He reached for Kevin White, and we haven't seen any of that materialize into anything yet. So this he's done well with the other draft picks, but what are you going to do at this position? Yeah. I, there's probably zero chance that he would be taking uh, Deshaun uh, Watson at that point unless he wanted to trade down in order to get him. Absolutely. Well, I, I, it was just a sick game. I'm so happy with the outlet, I, I, the way it ended. Um, a lot of lot of beastly players out there. So, anything else to say on on this game? I'm going to kind of mention I mean, something a little bit later about a little bit of news that I came across in the past couple of days uh, in regards to it. But that's going to be kind of a pyro promo, high five kind of thing later on that has to do with this game. Let's talk about some of the other players and not just Deshaun Watson. What about you know Mike Williams, who's probably Draft stock up. On the offensive side of the ball, going to be drafted, you know, in the top 10, maybe top 15 players. And that's going to be an exciting opportunity for a guy who pretty much missed all last season with a neck injury. Now, there's going to be a lot of options for this guy, and his landing spot's going to be interesting for a fantasy perspective. I want to know, D-Rex, are you as confused as I am when you see another wide receiver coming out named Mike Williams? (laughs) <laughs> which which Mike Williams? Yes, I am. I'm just I'm happy to see he's a gamer because I thought he had a concussion and he was out. But then he kept on he kept on like kind of getting roughed up and like short of breath or something. The injury he was injured throughout that game. Uh, but then he came up and he made huge plays and got a penalty on the one. He made that big catch to, on that last drive that helped him get 20 25 yards and. Um, what's his speed like? You know, I think I don't have, I don't know enough about these college guys as the draft and the combine starts coming up in the next month or so. Um, I kind of start looking at the, at the intangibles and, and what their scorecard is a bit more. But is he a fast guy or is this another? Is this another friggin' um, the? the yeah. I, I don't I don't know the answer. He's to gonna that. be much faster than Kelvin Benjamin. Kelvin, that's right. Yeah, that's but the thing about. for me now in my analysis when I'm, I'm kind of looking at these rookies, not used to you. Know, we have the underwear Olympics. We put up all those stats. But it's also more, I want to know when, where was the matchup during the year where they're facing another guy that's, that's also coming into the NFL? Yeah. How did he perform in that game, yeah. in that matchup? And were they, was he able to hit some of the deep pass or whatever? Because, like, you know, who's to say, you know, you have like three cupcake games at the beginning of the year that you could have hit like two, three 60 yard touchdowns, uh, and that skews your entire yards per catch and everything. Let's remember that bottle that up because I agree with you. It's like the game against Colgate, he had five touchdowns, and he had 223 yards, and the three guys guarding him were little white guys that were walk ons and went to go, went to Colgate to be in theater. <laughs> but yeah, he's probably gonna run in the mid four fives. Uh, you know, we saw that go up and get it athleticism. So I, I'm excited to see where he lands. I'm hoping for a team like the Titans. I think that's gonna be a good fit. Where if they can find a go up and get it type guy for a Marcus Mariota, it's really gonna change the sort of look and feel of that offense going forward. And it's just going to add another dimension. They've also got a tight end there, uh, uh, Jordan Leggett, who looks pretty good. But, you know, we're going to temper our expectations on this first year. Even though Hunter Henry came out and scored, what, seven, eight TDs eight. this year? Ridiculously. Um, Poaching off but my boy. we're still going to, you know, pump the brakes for EJF next year. But he looks like a guy who might add to a passing game. You know, like a bear is looking for a tight end. This is a deep, deep tight end class. There's a lot of athletic guys that are going to be on the board. So 
We saw how crappy tight end was this last year. We'll see if any of these guys are able to make an immediate impact and be sort of dominators from the second they step on the field. And maybe there's a little bit more of chances with how they've been used recently in college football. What about Scar- Scarborough or whatever? Is, how, is he is t- too young or is he going to come out? Well, there's been a lot of information on him when, because he's a sophomore, but he like took a year off for some issues. So some people think he's draft eligible, while others think he's not. But maybe he comes back after, I think he broke his fibula, but yeah. you know something along those lines. But that dude's a bad man too. Like, not as big as Derrick Henry, but he can move. He looks big. The rest of the rest of those guys, I mean, on offense, uh, for Alabama, you know, OJ Howard's expected to be a top of the first round pick. Uh, he's he's a unique talent. He's, he's unique, unique, and talent. he can block. Man, yeah. that dude could maul people. People don't don't think so, but we've seen him push the pile. So I'm excited about him if he gets the right fit. The rest of these guys, you know. What Renfro? That's a guy who's a sophomore, so we won't get to see him. But he he looks like a guy in that Edelman role where he could just get open whenever the fuck he wants. Is that the dude that caught the That's game? That's guy that caught the game. I saw a video today about when uh, last season when uh, Dabo gave him. He's a walk on that guy when he gave him uh, his his scholarship, and it's an awesome video. Where you guys check it out. Uh, I actually. I think I might have I posted it either on Twitter or on our Facebook, but uh, Dabo, him and the punter uh, were walk-ons, and they got scholarships last year. I think that scholarship turned out. This day is gonna turn out tasty. <laughs> How are things going with the lady? Not awesome. She's complicated, like the Da Vinci cut, you know, but harder to crack. Life is full of lessons. You learn something new every day. So, I wonder what I'm going to learn tomorrow. Well, <laughs> okay, okay, sir. Right, right sir. Off to find the mythical <laughs> Whatever happened to that guy? That guy fell off the Jack McBriar? Yeah, I don't know. love that guy. Nice. Um, yeah, All right, let's I mean, move on. That Valverde was a little too complicated for us. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm about to drink this thing in the moment. When they're, they're all going to be complicated for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's, uh, let's get it out of the way, though. Dogfish Head 60-Minute IPA, Indian Pale Ale. Houdini's got victory! victory! Storm King Stout! Nice. Uh, music at the opener was Stand and Deliver or whatever by... Uh, <laughs> what, what's, what's sound? Safe and Sound. Safe and Sound. Uh, by, by Justice. And we're going to close out with an apropos song by them called Fire. The, on the fantasy football fire, we're going to close out the song with fire. So um, I say we move on and we start talking about the playoff games on Saturday. You good? Sure. Or All we right. talk about those head coaching hires that happened today. Let's what, do that a little bit. Let's, let's intersperse that. Let's yeah, intersperse we can that. intersperse that. That's a good call. Um, we'll start with the first game on Saturday, uh, 4.30 Eastern time. We got uh, Seahawks are going down to Atlanta to play against the Falcons. Um, what are your thoughts on this one? This game is one of the uh, – there's a bunch of good games this weekend. I think there's three or four that are, are pretty good. This one – is anybody's guess. I mean, this could, I, I like Atlanta in this, it just from a win perspective, but fantasy, what are, what are you thinking? You know, I, I, I feel like it can go a multitude of ways. I, I feel so much 
better about there being a lot more offense in this game, being that it's being played in Atlanta as opposed to being played in Seattle. I think that the Falcons have, are showing that they're going to bring it. So I think that they, you know, you're going to see Seattle knows that they're going to have to score points. Are we going to see a repeat of Rawls? Are we going to see all of a sudden that, that where this young offensive line is finally completely gelled and be able to, to stand tall? I don't think so. So, but he needs to be effective in order to have that balance. But you're really going to have to see a big Russell Wilson day, I think, in order for them to overcome uh, Atlanta and this offense. It's, it's, it's interesting. Fucking Thomas Rawls. Like, how can you not do anything for like the last month and a half of the season? Like, in your last three games, total 50 yards rushing at, like, a 2.2-yard-per-clip 2, 2. average, and then just come out and crap all over. Look like it, all world. Yeah, against a pretty strong Detroit run defense. And just look look the best you've looked all season by far. And it's just like, what, where did this come from? It, but the thing is, like, their home road splits are big for this offense in general. Uh, we've seen the the uh, offense of the Seahawks come out in what looked like pristine matchups and, and just crap the bed when they go on the road. So uh, betting on Rawls doing it again, it, it's like a 50-50 proposition. Nothing's nothing's for certain right there. So, but if that if he's not good, that means it's going to go right to Russell Wilson, and he still has some playmakers to get the job done. But don't you think that this matchup? is more of one where you're also going to need to get receiving yards out of your back. And that's also not Rawls' forte. So it, it's, it's not somewhere where I see you know, him being able to have that success. So they're going to have to bring in some other guys you know, to, to help do that, whether it be Alex Collins or whoever it's going to be. Well, Procise could be back. That's going to be the major differentiator. If he's back, then he becomes a real factor just because of his – Take it to the house ability and his his pass catching ability. I worry about him. He's green. He's a rookie. He's yeah. been out for a while. He's coming off an injury, so it's, I don't think he can just turn it on. Maybe like a Rawls was able to do last week. But Vegas agrees with you on the worrisome part of the of the, the Seahawks. Um, that is over under is fifty one point five, and that's actually moving um, up. So it's got to be a scoring game, but the Vegas implied uh, point total is uh, obviously in favor of the Falcons. The Falcons are, are favored in this game, and that's going up too. It started at 3.5. They're a five-point favorite right now. So uh, Vegas thinks the Falcons are going to win this one. And the implied point total has Falcons scoring 28 points, 0.5 points, and um, the Seahawks at 23. So It's very interesting, though, that you say that it's the, the betting line has gone up for Atlanta. It's not like it's a New York team or a Chicago team or now, if they ever get to the playoffs, an L.A. team where it's influenced by hometown betters putting all this money on their team. Who's an Atlanta fan? Sorry, yeah. people from Atlanta, but I married a person from uh, that uh, family that lives out there. You're not all fans. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't your girl? Oh, your girl's a Georgia fan, not a Clemson fan. Um, yeah. Uh, what are, what are your what are your thoughts? I mean, usually like that's like a major movement. It's like when when it's going up, when the overall is going up like that. Two and, points. And yeah. That, and two it, points isn't much. I mean, the, when it was already the highest game. I think, well, we've also got to remember this game. They already played at the, at a point this season, and Seattle was a lot healthier there in Seattle. 
They uh, on defense, they had a lot more pieces at that time, and they scored fifty points total in that game. And they barely t- pulled out. That was a game where like it was a twenty six twenty four win for Seattle. And they pulled out but, the fourth quarter. You know they pulled. No, Seattle. I think they scored, but Seattle was ahead most of that game, and then uh, the Atlanta Falcons didn't do shit until halftime. And then they, they and then were awful. Ryan had three third quarter touchdowns. I yeah, remember yeah. And Julio got broke open on one, and then Tolo or whatever had we had a breakdown, yep. long touchdown, and it that is, was Richard Sherman's game where he went ballistic on the team, and everyone's holding them back. And then later, Richard Sherman ended up, you know, pretty much holding Julio Jones on the last play of the game, and that and people were up in arms, you know, how does Seattle yeah. always get these calls? Yeah, that's right. So that's the context of the game. So Atlanta was definitely in there in Seattle, but now that they're back at home, I like it. Uh, and I think points are going to be scored here, especially without Earl Thomas. You know, that defense, they were stifling against Detroit. But yeah. Detroit just had a string of games to where they weren't very good towards the end, and, and we saw it, you know, sort of manifest. You also have Dan Quinn yeah. going up against his former team. Yep. And... You know, he knows them very well, so... That, and they lost that. They was and they lost. They lost. Right. So it's like, this means something. There's a lot... This team's got a lot of, a lot on the line. Both both sides are really hungry to win for their coach. It's hard to beat a team it twice. Exciting. It's hard to beat a team twice. They are almost near impossible to beat them three times in a year, but, you know... Let's yeah. talk about let's talk about uh, Paul Richardson's plays oh in, the, in, the, in the last game. I mean, okay. He made two of the best catches, two of the top five catches of the season last uh, week, and one I think is the best catch of the year. I mean, that the was, one where he's grabbing the face mask. Yeah, grab the face mask. <laughs> but like, how the hell did yeah. he? He went elephant reach around. Style. Yeah, he reach did around. Reach around. <laughs> he did a reach around, dude. He did a double reach around. He had one on the helmet and one on the ball. That was impressive, man. We I give Richardson a lot, a lot of grief on the show because he's such a little pipsqueak and I think it's funny to see this like little like 155 pounder wet out of the shower playing in the NFL but those were some beautiful plays so hats off to you Paul you know he's a first round pick out of Colorado so for him to kind of make his mark in in, in Lockett's I mean I think going into next year Lockett I don't feel like he's just going to ever be a great wide receiver I feel like he'll always be like this tricky kind of guy that they got to figure out how to use but Richardson could maybe move himself into that secondary role with Baldwin well, well Richardson was there first, right? You know, and he didn't do it yeah. until Lockett took it, but he's worked hard. Now, the thing is, he made some of these ridiculous highlight reel catches. He also had just a couple of drops where you're like, oh my God, that's an easy pass. I mean, you make the, <laughs> you you just make, did you that, make the jumping just... around, reaching around, and doing all the other stuff, but now yeah. you just drop the one that's right in your hands. Yeah. yeah. That seems to be the way a lot of these receivers are, though. The easy ones. See it with Crabtree. You see it with a lot of these guys. They just drop when it's right in your hands and right in your basket. They drop it, but when it's impossible to catch it, they one hand it and, and sticky uh, sticky it to their hands. Yeah, Richardson still got a lot of work to do to live up to his second round billing. No, I mean, no, no. Like I thought he was first rounder. No, nah, he's mid second round. Okay. Uh, but this dude basically in three seasons. You know, he was hurt early last year, and now. You know, really didn't come on till the end. You know, Lockhart's been ahead of him. He's got a lot of work to do to take over that second building. I don't know if it's going to happen. Uh, I'm going to be a lot more bearish on that one. Uh, I still think Tyler Lockett's bigger and faster and, you know, more of what they wanted from Richardson. So, you know, I think with that ability next year, it's going to be more Tyler Lockett. But right now, 
Paul Richardson, he's an interesting sort of value play in DFS. Uh, you know, going up against the Atlanta corners, you know, it should be great for all these receivers. Mm-hmm. It should be great for Richardson, who's playing snaps. It's going to be great for Baldwin. You look at Baldwin's numbers against Atlanta last time. He had one of his worst games of the season. Had one of those four catch for 30-yard performances that you don't like to see. But you've also got to remember, at the time, Atlanta had Desmond Trufant. And Desmond Trufant shadowed him into the slot all game long. And that's something that you're not going to have here. You're going to have a pretty much a blank slate of corners that you don't have to worry about that are actually all positive matchups. And, you know, Jermaine Curse, he's not a guy I'm going to trust. You know, with Baldwin, too, you know, he was going into last week. You talk about another disaster, a guy, right, that just did nothing for you in your fantasy playoffs, was was leading into it. It was it was a bunch of garbage games. It was like, he had a good, he had a good no, week 16. Yeah, week 16. He was demolished. Okay. Yeah, he, he, was then he, but he, had, he was a week winner for one of my But the other my, games were all like under 40 yards, right? Yeah, the two games going into it were under 40 yards, but he scored a uh, touchdown on one of them. So, but then he saw the big uptick last week with the 11 receptions. He's... He's the main catalyst there. You're also going to have the the before you get to Jermaine Kirsten, but the balance though that that he's now getting with with Jimmy Graham, that's allowing him to have a lot more success. And you have the faith, and you're in the playoffs. You go to the guys that you have faith in. Yeah, and he he's that's what Jermaine Kirst is also going to get targets because you know what? How many years has Russell Wilson thrown big passes to Jermaine Kirst in the playoffs? Didn't I see that? Like, wasn't wasn't by the end of the year, uh, target touches, looks, or maybe market share. Baldwin's uh, Baldwin's a, a top guy in both those spots. So, the bread and butter for Wilson and the guy that he is most confident. You know, even with Graham having that great season, it's just unquestionably Baldwin. And even when he's not going to Baldwin, Baldwin will poach it and score a touchdown and steal it from Curse and get it anyways. Yeah. <laughs> but let's talk about Jimmy Graham. Atlanta is one of those teams that he just demolishes. Uh, against Atlanta earlier in the season, uh, what six catches on nine targets for 89 yards, and in his career against Atlanta, he averages like 80 yards receiving on six catches uh, and .75 touchdowns. So if you're looking at DFS, he's a strong play, and with a thin field of wide receivers, you know you could do worse. Or thin field of tight ends. Yeah. Tight end is so bad; it's ridiculous. But you know, I like Graham and I like Kelsey, and we'll talk about some of the other guys that we like. But I, I, I like all the pieces for the Seattle passing game. The question is, will this run game support it, allow them to run play action, and will this offensive line hold up? Because we saw, you know, at points Atlanta get massive, massive amounts of pressure in short spurts. Well, this is the the problem with that offensive line is that. It was amazing to see how many holes they were opening up and that they really made the commitment to the run. They're a much better run-blocking offensive line, which you didn't see for how long as well. They don't... I I think they have trouble holding up against the pass, and that's where Russell Wilson bails them out a lot because he has the ability to to escape out of the pocket and to extend a play and to make something happen. I think that's what is going to be necessary in this one, and it'll be interesting to see because... Will he take off in this one? And I think he will, you know, when the opportunity presents itself. So, uh, you know, Atlanta, Atlanta's, I still think Atlanta to win this game. Um, but I think that you're going to see a good production out of Russell Wilson that if I'm playing DFS too and I don't have to pay 
some of the premium prices that I have to pay for some of the other ones. I haven't looked at exactly what his, uh, his rate is, but I imagine he's not going to be a top three uh, highest priced quarterback, so you can get him a value there. I think what Stag said at the beginning is right. There's so many injuries that are a little more banged up. The Earl Thomas thing is obviously huge. Um, so I think the offense, the powerful offense, will outpower a great defense that's more a little more banged up. And being at home, I just I just think they've got so many weapons. You got Julio back. I think Atlanta's gonna be great. Quick thing that I was mentioning with that uh, the ball and the, the the stat that I was really trying to allude to was his catch percentage. Highest catch percentage of any wide receiver this year at 75.20%. And that's uh, the only other guy that's in that zone is like Jeremy Curley. When you look at like Odell Beckham's, uh, Odell Beckham's at 59%. Antonio Brown's at 68 and that's pretty high too. But uh, basically Baldwin and, and Russell Wilson are on the same page. Baldwin always seems to be a league leader in catch percentage. Over the last three years, he's caught 77% of his passes targeted his way. Dude's just ridiculous, especially in PPR leagues. He's, you know he's going to get his. I played a lot of Doug Baldwin last weekend. It worked out. Uh, I think they're going to be in an ability to spread it a little bit more around this week. So that's going to be the interesting part. I'm bummed out I didn't go Baldwin over Dez in, my, in our uh, oh, yeah. playoff league. Right after I took Dez, it was like, Baldwin plays this week, and then I was like, I probably should take him ball. I thought they were going to win a couple games. Anyway, um, let's go over to the Falcons side of the ball, and obviously they're coming off a, a bye week, so you've got to go on what you've seen over the, the regular season um, with them, uh, but what are your expectations? Uh, oh, quick thing, quick story, uh, with all the Russia and, and Trump and all this craziness with, with the election. Piotis. Well, Piotis, yeah, I love that. Um <laughs> Asked, uh, I'm not going to get into it, but Earl Thomas, you guys see, you guys hear, read these stories? You see his hat? Basically, there's a huge, there's this group called the Russian Seahawkers, who are big, like, Seahawks fans out in Russia, and they sent, um, they sent, they love the Seahawks, it's like, it's like their favorite thing in the world, and they sent... Uh, Earl Thomas like this gift bag and so Earl um, came onto the field with crutches and was wearing like a Russian hat with the Seahawkers emblem on it and hilarious he did like a Vine video, not Vine's dead now it's probably a, an Instagram video of it but their favorite player the Seahawkers from Russia is, is Sherman which makes <laughs> a lot of sense um, but good story you guys should read up on that sort of thing like this hilarious like, Russian it. NFL fandom uh, God this world's great Right. in football. Let's get. Let's go over to the Falcons. Uh, as I said, they're gonna. Their implied point totals twenty eight point five. A lot of points to be scored in Vegas's mind. Um, I don't know. I mean, just I think it's gonna be a much more of a running game than than you'd give it credit for. I think they might change it up a bit just with that that attack with a healthy Tevin and, and Devante. I think uh, we're gonna see them doing a lot, putting a lot of uh, ground game going. Well, I think they're gonna run a lot, but I think they're gonna spread them out. In order to and to to get that running, because you know neither Freeman nor Coleman are really great, super great. Just let's just line up and put eight offensive linemen out there and run inside the tackles. You know this is more. Let's create space. Let them use their amazing abilities that they have, and then them in open field, they're going to make somebody miss, and and then and then it's off to the races. And that's what we've seen from them. So. I expect them to, you know, the, the interesting thing is going to be is to see how the Seattle linebackers are able to keep up with them. 
Yeah, I don't see that being a problem. It, yeah, la- right. The last right. time the Seattle linebackers you know, faced up against this, and their front seven's pretty much the same, if not healthier now than they were back then. Uh, they're stout, and they have allowed 17 rush attempts for just 50 yards to these guys. I don't think the run game is going to be the way they attack. I think they're going to go with a lot of the screen passing game, getting these guys out on the edges against secondary corners. Uh, also, you know, utilizing Taylor Gabriel, who wasn't really a part of their game plan last time they played. They're going to use him, you know, out of the slot and against secondary players. Lots of moving Julio around to get matchups they want. So, I mean, Atlanta's just got so many different weapons now that they can attack from anywhere on the field. Now, that's what really makes them so dangerous, and that's what makes Matt Ryan sort of a strong play. I mean, he scored over 20 fantasy points against Seattle last time. Uh, he doesn't have a huge ceiling, but you know, I, I think he's got a pretty safe floor of 15 points. So in cash games, I think he could do worse, but he could probably still do better. Um, Matt Ryan, he's probably off my DFS radar playing against Seattle. But all these weapons, I think there's enough to go around. Uh, but I do see like guys like Aldrick Robinson going back. Uh, into the ether, Justin Hardy not playing as many snaps. So I imagine the top three to be, you know, basically Taylor Gabriel, Julio Jones, and uh, Mohamed Sanu, who caught a touchdown in 40, 50 yards against Seattle last time out of the slot. I expect those guys to be able to attack Austin Hooper. You know, I, I don't think he's a great play, but, you know, in a thin field, you can do worse. Well, it's, I, I expect. More of the damage also to come from Freeman and Coleman. I, I don't care if it's it's not necessarily going to be as much as runners per se, per, per se but they're going to be doing damage as receivers. And I know, think they're going to be doing it as runners. I know it's a tough game to run a team with running it, but I think the ego and the way that Freeman's running right now and uh, Coleman is, is is at a healthy stage. I think they're going to they're going to change it up. I think they're going to they're going to I think there's going to be more running than you than you think. In this I, game. I just think that they're going to be very active. I, I you know whether that you know as much as the run spreading around, but but I, I just have a feeling that. Those two guys, it's just I, 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 same way that you do. I, just, I, I don't worry about points coming out of either of those two. Yeah. So you know, if I'm playing in DFS, I'm I'm not backing off of, of this matchup for those for those running backs. I guess I would. I'm just a little bit more concerned. Just you know, the way you know Quinn's a Seattle guy. He knows how they run their defense. He knows what they want to do on defense, and that begins with stopping the run. And last time they played, they pretty much abandoned the run game in favor of a pass game, quick pass game, get it out to these guys. But that and was, and that's what worked. But you that's know what reason, worked in the third quarter. But you know the reason they, they had to do that, because they were down early. They didn't score. They scored. They, they went to halftime with three points. Yeah. So they could. They had to run it back. So it's, it's, I just like what I'm seeing out of Freeman, your guy, more than anything else. This guy's just – I think he's just – Running it, it just—I think he's my favorite running back, eye test-wise. Right now, over the last five, six games in the season, when that guy gets the ball, it's like he's just a friggin' animal. So it's going to be a good game. But you're right. Obviously, the last game was, as you said, seven, 17 carries for 50 yards. Obviously, zero touchdowns. Long, long, uh, not not a good running attack. So I think they're going to really, on the road. They're going to really try and fit that one through. Uh, so we'll see. Should be a great game. What an awesome way to start off the second weekend of the playoffs. Uh, before we get into uh, our next matchup, I just want to do a, a, a quick um, pyro. Nah, let's keep the lights on. 
All right, we got the night game, the snoozer of them all. Uh, although there's something in the back of my mind that thinks that uh, Houston's going to surprise people a little bit and keep this one closer than everyone else uh, has in mind. Is it closer but, than Vegas at minus 16 and a half? Crazy. Now? Like, crazy. yeah. I've always been in mind that 16 points is like, I think it's the biggest spread set for a playoff game in the last 20 years or something they were saying. So. It's, well, it's not I, good. The Texans, what can you, what can you, what can you say? They, you can say that they scored 27 points last week, but then you could also say they only passed for 168 yards. Uh, you had a Brock, uh, or as you like to call him, broke ass wiper, uh, did get a rushing touchdown as well. Motherfucker. Uh, Save me in that. You, you had Lamar Miller gains 73 yards on the ground and scores a touchdown. But it took him 31 carries to get there. Uh, you, you know, I, I, I don't like when you look at. Okay, so the one resurgent player was at least DeAndre Hopkins uh, showed up a, a bit there. Was it uh, five catches for 67 yards and a touchdown? So, but Fedorowicz and Ryan Griffin were sharing time at tight end. You had Will Fuller who was starting to make a couple plays a little bit early and, and showed himself up a little bit more. You know how much more offense they're going to need to generate in order to beat New England or even be in that game? I'm not expecting a beat New England. No, I'm but even to keep a, it close? Keep or, it, I'm just betting on 16 and a half. I'm not betting on okay, anything else. So let's say you're betting on 16 and a half, but still let's look at what the game plan is going to be. Lamar Miller gets taken out of that as far as you're not going to be yeah. giving him 31 carries in this game. Yeah. He'll be lucky to get 14. I, I don't know. I think you have to slow the game down and take, keep the ball out of Tom Brady's hands. We saw all the time that they used to do that with the Peyton Manning Colts. They, they run it way more than they ever would, you know, even if it's not working, just to keep the ball away from Tom Brady. Huh? That that may be, but it's going to end well, up what being... You're, I think what you're saying is... It won't be effective. He's going to take it all away. Absolutely. Whether they keep running it, it's good. The success... His thing is going to be, I'll put 7-8 in the box. You are going to have to beat me, broke-ass wiper. I will put my corners yeah. one-on-one with your wide receivers because you can't throw the ball accurately, and you can't make it where you're going to throw it downfield and beat, beat my guys on the deep play. They might not even man up the receivers. Yeah. Bill Belichick might pull his usual move. Hey, we're gonna put our best corner on Will Fuller, and then we're gonna double DeAndre Hopkins, and we're gonna have eight guys in the box besides that, and it's probably gonna be good enough because Bill Belichick likes to do that. He's yeah. like, oh, you want, Challenge. Me to, you want me to shadow? You know, it's like I might do it some, but also I might just double team them and yeah. you know beat me with your and beat the, me with your tight ends that are gonna gain five yards a catch. And the advantage is Fuller's a rookie. And he's got. If you got Butler on Fuller, oh, you're taking Butler in every the every on this stage. Yeah, in Foxborough. Yeah, maybe. And and we've seen my ass wiper just cannot. I don't know how he's doing it. Those first two games uh, where Fuller was getting those butts, but he just he might be have the worst long ball in the league, and he doesn't probably the he other than maybe an Alex Smith and other guys at Belichick. Isn't going to be scared off if they face each other next week, just because of the, the way that their game is so short and inner. It's so short that it's like, all right, if you make the play, we're gonna we'll, we'll give you twenty yards. No, you're not. You're not even. They'll we'll give you twenty yards. You're not. You'll probably get it once more. One more time, the whole game on us. No. They'll give you 20 yards. You can't make the throw to the 20-yard receiver. <laughs> so you end up taking the four-yard pass, and then uh, you end up on third and seven, and then you punt. 
Brock Osweiler. I, I literally, if I was the owner and I was a millionaire um, and owned a football team, I know the cap. I've said it before. I would just, I know it hits you and it sucks, but just to send a message to him, if I had a Brock Osweiler and I made that mistake, I, I'm honest. I'm saying I would cut him. I would trade him to another team and say, you don't have to give me anything. I'll pay for a majority of this. I just want him off this fucking team. I want to just rebuild, plant a new seed. That one didn't work. Uh, it, it, it's problematic for that franchise. You just need enough go-fuck-yourself money is what you need. Pretty much. Oh, God, I wish. If I had enough go-fuck-yourself, I would be going and fuck. I would do Trump style. There would be golden showers in <laughs> Moscow all the time. <laughs> Oh, all right. Holla for a dollar. Hey, I don't make this stuff up. I just give. I just bring the info out. You can hate me for delivering it, and um, whether you think it's fake news or not, I don't give a fuck. All right, let's go over to. Oh, what do yeah. you got? When um, when were you planning on telling me this? Uh, I just told you then. Yeah. No, I know. Um, but telling me now isn't really the same as telling me. Well, look, you know, I've not told you I've got genital herpes because it's not inflamed at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Obama, you're out. Trump, you're in. So let's talk about the tight ends because I think they're the best plays of the weekend. Um, and it apparently has to go with genital herpes as well for segues. Nice. Uh, good. good. <laughs> Perfect. Keep it. Plan to set you up. You're good. So, CJ Fedorowitz. You know, he should be, you know, continuing to get targets and targets. He seems to get four, five, six a game. And the Patriots are probably just going to let him catch the ball. Hey, you're not going to run away from us. You're not DeAndre Hopkins. And we know DeAndre Hopkins isn't great after the catch himself. He did look a lot better last week. Uh, and then Ryan Griffin, they're both sort of getting interspersed. But they only had three wide receivers active for the game. Let's remember that their roster is depleted at wide receiver right now. You know, uh, Jalen Strong. I was saying, it's not Jalen Strong at receiver. Jalen Strong is on IR, <laughs> so no, it's not Jalen Strong. It's not, there's no Bra- flex. It's not Brett. It's not Braxton not, Miller. He's out. Yeah, Braxton remember the, at the beginning of the season there was there wasn't a team in the league that had what looked like more ammo and more firepower in position than them. Yeah, and so. You know, it's going to be DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller and probably Keith Mumphrey, who hasn't really done anything. So you're looking at two wide receivers, two tight ends, pretty much every single play. They might throw a third tight end in there. And then they're going to use their fullback, and maybe Alfred Blue is a fullback occasionally. And they're going to try to go big, and that usually doesn't work, work out against the Patriots. No, because what they're going to try to do is the thing that would beat them is to be – uh, Philip Rivers type, right? Remember those drives where the, where the Chargers would come down to take eight minutes, nine minutes off the clock. They're running all these little short passing plays, but that's because he can complete them. And the problem is that you, it, it, he'll let you dink and dunk underneath, but the problem is that Brock Osweiler cannot dink and dunk underneath. So it's it's ineffective. It's it's a hit and a miss. A hit and a miss, and then it's the third and long. Once you're at third and long, the, the chances of them converting third and seven or longer it's so minuscule just because he can't throw that strong out route, you know, 10 to 15 yards. Well, did you guys see, and then I think we let's move over to the other side of the ball, unless you got something else next, but did you guys see the video from the preseason with um, 
Uh, DeAndre Hopkins against um, Hall on the in that against uh, in Washington. They had a practice against uh, amongst each other. You see that video? I think I think they were covering on one of the, either one of those. That were, uh, what's the show on HBO? Hard Knocks. Were they on that this year? Last Houston? year. So that was last year then. Okay, so it was a video from Hard Knocks last year with uh, Hall and DeAndre Hopkins. Awesome little video where they're mouthing off and like fighting, and then literally Hopkins broke Hall's ankles. It was just like Iverson style, like, and he was injured, and he was like down. And Hopkins was like, "Yep, that's what I do. That's what I do." D'Angelo Hall, one of the best talkers of all time. Oh, I hate that guy. (laughs) (laughs) That's why they, you know, I don't mind a talker. I just don't. I I I want a backer upper. Um, Let's go over to the Patriots. Uh, Week three, they. Crushed this team, and that's without Brady. That was with Jacoby Brissett, right? Yeah. At week three, 27 0. On a Thursday uh, night, though. Thursday night game. With yeah. Brissett, who had no preparation Rook, for that yeah. game. Rookie, and he, that was his one game. I think he broke his hand or something in that game, or maybe not. But they smoked him, uh, and that's when they had Gronk. Uh, he was, did break his hand that game, but he still, the yeah, he still they played plane. the fourth game. Yeah, he's still on the plane. Um, but I think that's where Vegas, like, if Brissett uh, can 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 knock this team at 27 and keep them, uh, you know, zero points on the board, it could be problematic when you got Tom Brady, the greatest to ever do it, against them. Um, yeah. Well, and Brady, if you look at it now, he's coming into this game, his final two games of the season, he threw for three touchdowns in each of those games, um, but he didn't throw for 300 yards. But let's, let's not worry as much about regular season Tom Brady as how about postseason Tom Brady. And let's just look at recent vintage. So let's just go back his last two years. His last three playoff games that he's had in his last uh, two years, four of the five games he's thrown for over 300 yards. And he's thrown for 13 touchdowns in those five games. Do you want to give me some crazy odds that Tom Brady doesn't break 20 fantasy points. Got anything for me? Because I, I don't think he's going to be good. I think they're going to end up going if... Remember, this is a game that's set up to, for them to get ahead quickly. Mm-hmm. So Brady throws maybe 200 yards and two touchdowns early. And then it's LeGarrette Blunt yep. all game long. So in, in games where uh, the Patriots are favored by more than 10 points, double-digit favorites... Uh, Tom Brady averages 15 fantasy points a game. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt averages 18 fantasy points a game. When those roles are reversed, Tom Brady averages nearly 27 fantasy points a game. And, you know, Blunt's down there in the 8 to 10 fantasy point range. So they're consistent to the game script, pretty much. Going back to that league, you took Dez and you wanted to... I was debating between Brady and and Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) And if Aaron Rodgers ends up beating Dallas, I wish I would have gone Aaron Rodgers. Oh, yeah. Um, I I can't disagree with what, what you say there about Brady. I think it's just... If they get if they get up and they start having it's like there's just no reason they've got it so many finally they've got so many healthy running backs they're just gonna hand it off to all three of them. But also gonna... we talk about these running backs I think they've just been playing with Deion Lewis for the last six weeks of the season since he's been back. Like Raw style you think Raw they're just gonna it's gonna be the showcasing? No I, I don't even think it's gonna be the showcasing but it might not be in this game but I think in the playoffs. 
We haven't seen Dion Lewis catch passes yeah. since he's been back. Right. I think suddenly it's going to be like, oh, by the way, we haven't shown you Dion Lewis. And now Dion Lewis on the outside is going to demolish people because it's what he can do. In the open field, there, there's nobody who can move like him. Right? And well, he's been healing while playing. Well, yes. And he's also, they've been, and they've been giving him a lot of work too. Look, he's averaged 15 carries per game over the last three, three weeks that he's played. Yeah. So I look at him and again, right. This is where he should see activity as a receiver. You're going to see probably a lot in the first half of the game. So, and I, I'll agree with you too on the Tom Brady aspect. So, yeah, maybe it's, it's uh, the thing for me is that is it going to be where you're going to have Laguerre Blunt early in the game rushing for a couple touchdowns? I don't think so against this Texans defense. I, mean, I think that the, the front is strong. So, what I'm more seeing is Tom Brady could have one of these games where he's going to throw for 235 yards but four touchdowns. All right, but it just all depends where you think the touchdowns are going early, right? Right. That that that's gonna matter about if you play them or not. And would you be saying this if you had taken Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> <laughs> fair point. Fair point. But, Wishful thinking. We all do it. Uh, so that that's the part that scares me about Tom. I'll have, I'll have something to say about that. I got I got one for myself on that one. I'll, like, I'll use it on my next Valverde if, if I chose poorly. So you mind if I do stacks? Go. If you well, got then you're gonna take it. I'll, I'll, right, I'll you save. don't have to give it to me. No, I'll save I'll save that one for me. <laughs> I'm not saving this for anyone. Valverde. Well, I would love to sell you some weed, Jeremy, but I'm at my fucking job right now. Obviously, because you called me at work, you know that I'm at my place of work. So I can't just leave here and sell you some weed. I can sell you some weed when I'm done. Fuck, I, I gotta quit. Mahalo. All right. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> That's still fat, Seth Rogen? Or not Seth Rogen. Uh, Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. Uh, fat Jonah Hill is what I meant. Yeah, it's fat Jonah. I saw the fattest Jonah version, Jonah Hill, and uh, War Dogs. Oh, that, that's, that's the newest that. one. It's not, so not he went, he no, went fat to skinny to fat as fuck. Oh, it's as fat as fuck movie he's ever had. And he's he's got the he's got the fake tan the whole time. He looks terrible. He must have been quitting something. No, he, he didn't off the jack, right? purpose. I think the guy, it's like a true story. The guy he's supposed to be playing is like fat as fuck. Because <laughs> now I just saw him in the... That's goal. not a wise thing to do if you had lost a lot of weight to all of a sudden like take a roll where I'm going to put out... He looked all right at the Golden Globes like <laughs> right. the other day. So he, he obviously is under control makeup. where he can... I don't know. <laughs> he looked his worst he ever in War Dogs. Getting back yeah. to the rest of the Patriots. Like, they're pass catchers. They all look to be, you know, pretty good. Julian Edelman looks to be the best one, but now there looks to be so many other weapons, like Deion Lewis catching passes. A uh, Chris Hogan's played, you know, eighty-five percent of the snaps uh, on the season. Michael Floyd is now part of Michael the Floyd's part of the offense after you know a big touchdown catch and then a ginormous block where he murdered people. <laughs> and, and then Malcolm Mitchell's people. back and healthy and practicing. And Martellus Bennett's had, you know, a couple weeks off to rest his ankle. So now they're at full strength, but you have no idea who to fucking play. <laughs> I, I agree with you 100%. I had to do the write-up on this one. I'm going, well, you know, between... I said Julian Edelman is absolutely the safe play. Between Chris Hogan, Malcolm Mitchell, Michael Floyd, go take your pick. I mean... You know, each of them have kind of have scored a touchdown, but no one's getting you a ton of yards. Uh, it was kind of spreading it all out. I said you have to pick one. Oh, and Daniel Mandola's back. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> so add that to the mix. So if you ask Jesus. me, gun to my head, if I have to pick one, maybe that's the best part. So let's all let's all let's go go to, go to, go to, gun to your head. Which one of those you're taking? I'll take Chris Hogan this week. 
Julian Edelman. Edelman. No, no. I'm he's not in the choice? No. He's so not, of, of all of, these other guys, of all these other guys, I'm going which, which of the other guys are going to go? So well, of I'm, the I'm other three, reenactment. of the other three wide receivers. <laughs> Wake <laughs> up! The lights green. Now it's red again, you asshole. So, so of, the, of the three other wide receivers, is that what you're asking? Yeah. If you want to throw Amendola in there too, you can throw Amendola no. in there too. I'd probably go. Malcolm Mitchell? But isn't he banged up? He is, but he's expected to be back there. Yeah, he, I like, he didn't play last They've got so many I, I like his touch, I like his touchdown upside the most. Chris Hogan, you know, on the outside, does he get Boye? Uh, and then I, I just think Edelman's locked in play. You know, uh, we just had uh, our boy Pyrolytics delivered the targets, touches, and looks year-end, and we've got a nice new uh, sprinkle and some new columns in it. Uh, we're going to be changing that one up heading into next year. Fucking this piece is dope as hell. Edelman at the wide receiver position, the leader by one in looks on the season at 172 looks this year. Uh, pretty badass. Yeah, what do you get? 160 targets and 12 rushing attempts? Yeah, it's 160 targets, and then you got the target leader was uh, Mike Evans with 171. Uh, and he's one be- many, behind on looks. He was one seven one because he didn't how, get any rushes. How many did Julio have last year? Was it like one two hundred and eleven? Yeah, it was ridiculous. And Antonio Brown wasn't he? Uh, the target leader had the fewest targets at the wide receiver position over the last decade. Um, so it's not good. But going back to it, um, going back to it, you know these guys are interested. I don't. Th- I don't think you can really play any of these guys in DFS. They're dart throws at best. Yeah. Uh, if if you're looking, I, I mean, Edelman's probably the solidest play because you should avoid Boyer. He'll be in the slot, and you know that he gets fed no matter the game. Um, so I'm I'm on Team Edelman is like one of the you know wide receiver two uh, in sort of DraftKings leagues or you know flex player. But I'm probably going to avoid the rest of these receivers because it could go to any one of them. Now, I know that you said that you're not happy with the tight end situation this week. Where, where, uh, what about Martellus Bennett, though? Now, I, I, now, can I lump him in with all those eight other pass catchers we've already mentioned? Well, I, well, that's the point. So I think what it comes down to is it's, it's a matchup, right? So once you get into the matchup where it's going to become more run-oriented, it takes away from these ancillary guys getting more yardage, you can trust a Julian Edelman. You can trust, I think, the running backs in this one just because of the fact that they're going to get ahead. I think the other ones are all going to get spread around, but Tom Brady is the safe place because he's the guy controlling all the, all the, all the puppets. No, but the thing you did say about the run game seems smart from our Ben. Because he's going to play every snap. Right. So if he's out there, you know, that maybe there's just an audible where it's 10 men in the box. And it's like, all right, we're just going to toss this one to him. And remember, no tight end scored a touchdown on wild card weekend. So does Bennett have a shot at scoring a touchdown? Yeah. I mean, and that makes him a decent enough play this week. <laughs> but the other thing, too, is that when you think about it and you say, well, look, they're going to probably get ahead, and then this is where Brady doesn't score as many points. This is also Bill Belichick in the playoffs who doesn't really care. And he always just – he's going to score as many points as he can on you until he – until. It, I mean, there are times where I've seen Tom Brady still in the game when they're up by 20 points in the playoffs and there's three minutes left or whatever. Why you, you heard about how they going into week 17, they're like, so are you going to rest Tom Brady? He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. 
Yeah. I, I don't understand what that is. What, what What do you mean? And that's what he is in the same, in the game time. It's like he'll get the ball. He'll He'll make sure the play calling is get the ball out of fucking Tom's hands so no one's at his knees. But he's gonna play the guy, and he's not the guy that's gonna be. He's like, like oh. we're playing football. Right. I'm playing my football guys while we got football games going on. And if they're up 21 at halftime, when they come out of halftime, it's not all of a sudden he's gonna change the game plan and take the foot off the pedal. The one thing about Belichick that we he know. Might. <laughs> yeah, one thing we know about Belichick, there's usually in a lot of these games an unsung hero. So in my line, maybe I'm taking Danny Amendola out of nowhere. Right. And I like that's why I like your uh, Deion Lewis call. One of these games, Belichick's gonna be just it's gonna be him and Brady in this meeting. They're gonna be sitting there. It's gonna be uh, McDaniel's gonna be there too. Like, who do we want to make a star this weekend? You know. Who, who can I take yeah. with me to San Francisco? Yeah, right, yeah, so. De- De- yeah exactly. Dion, Dion's been pretty sweet. You know, let's, let's give him a little time off. Like, all right, fuck it. It's Dion's game. Well, I'll tell you what. So, we'll see if you're right, and I hope that you're wrong for my playoffs uh, chances <laughs> with Brady. Uh, and I'll Valverde myself with uh, what I'm going to do if, if you're right. Valverde! Contributor on Pyro coming into the fray. Not going to mention any names, kind of working its preliminary, um, but a Chicago fellow that we've been buddies with for a little bit here and there. Been doing the fantasy circles uh, for, for a little bit, and uh, we're really excited. We think he's a fun, funny guy and has a good outlook in, in some uh, fantasy subjects, especially, I guess, Dynasty and. Uh, should be good, you know. When we're doing this, we always we we had so many help, so much help from guys like Archer, who's in Kansas City, and you got we got other fellows, you know, yeah, OC who's moved around a bit, but from Boston, and now he's down in Atlanta, and and we, you know we got guys that are just sometimes they're on the peripheral. You got Moe's up in Grand Rapids, and it's nice uh, sometimes those people feel a little left out because we're sitting here doing the podcast, we get to go drink beers together, and we have our pyro meetings, and it's like. Oh shit! I'm at 900 miles away, so it's it's pretty exciting to have a, a fellow that's going to join the fray that I think should stick around for a bit and a guy that we like and enjoy hanging out with. So, Psych uh, will give you more to come and more details on that as we uh, work it out and figure it all out. But um, just awesome that more people want to join the pyro movement and you know we want to grow and have better, more talents and more content coming out. So uh, that's a, that's my pyro promo. If you guys, if anybody out there is a writer or a really good designer, uh, a great Ruby on Rails developer, uh, <laughs> you know, anything. If you love fantasy football and you like our products and you think you, you have the time, the bandwidth, and the passion to, uh, you know, join the fray without just thinking that it's uh, fun and, and dandy and it's, it's, it's truly just, a, a, you know, a, a 
a passion project and the, that, that takes a lot of effort. If you are someone that thinks you wanted to throw your hat in the ring, uh, let us know. Reach out to us uh, over social media or contact a pyromaniac. We're always looking for great people. So that's that. We love you. If you're just a listener and a viewer and, uh, and all that stuff, God bless you. Um, okay, let's go on to the uh, Steelers at the Chiefs. And this is... Um, this yeah. is now. We'll wait. That, uh, let's do the pyro promo. Yeah. We'll do it after that one. Um, uh, Steelers and Chiefs. Um, I think the only thing I'll say is that the Steelers are hot as hell, but Chiefs are favored. Chiefs are home. Who's hotter, the Chiefs or the Steelers? I mean, I think that's the real question. Well, it's just it's, it's unfair because the Steelers are coming off one of just the hottest looking games you've ever seen in your life. Yeah, they were also playing a team that was kind of hot trash a little bit. I so. agree. I agree with you. I agree with you. <laughs> But who knows? So we've seen it before. It's happened to the Steelers. It's happened themselves. When you get that bye week and you've got that hot momentum, it's kind of the bye week's the worst thing that happens to you. Uh, yeah, but, except Andy Reid coming off the bye is 16-2 and two all the time and blah, blah, blah. Is, you know, is it 16-2? and two? Yes. He's fucking... That's pretty ridiculous. He, he's good with an extra week. There's no way to look around it. Like, he's studded. They, they win after the bye all the time, no matter where he's at. You know, they game plan. They they pretty much knew it's like, oh, well, let, let's start working to Pittsburgh. Yeah. And, you know, with how that game went. You know, Flat out, let's just say, let's just go before we get into fantasy and go into the game, uh, you know, the game details of it. Who do you think wins this game? I want to talk more, but I got the Steelers. You got the Steelers? Okay, because I, so, I do too. I got the Steelers just because I just think that it's another one of those offensive firepower things where I just think – Unless, to basically, I think for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs win, they have to get a pick six, or Tyreek Hill has to go ballistic, and those are two like anom- They're not anomalies because they've done it enough this season, but it's not. A, it's, it's not as game. So they need a non-offensive you, score. Yeah. You can't draw up as conventional a way for the game to go for Kansas City to win. It's not like, oh well, Kansas City. Is going to shut down Le'Veon Bell. Well, no, you're not. Um, He's going to get his yards one way or the other. Okay, well, we're going to shut down Antonio Brown. Well, no, you're not. You can try to limit him as much as possible. Tell me on your side, who is just going to dominate your matchup that I should be like, oh, it's all because of Spencer Ware, or it's all because of of, of look at what Tyreek Hill's going to do here, or uh, or because Travis Kelsey is just going to tear them up on the inside. Like, well, that's your best option, but they got Shazier. Shazier, what are you going to say? I mean, so I can't draw up any type of a game plan where I can sit there and feel confident. The only thing I can say is, well, they're at home, and Andy Reid is (laughs) 16-2 coming off of a bye. Yeah, they like you don't draw it up for Kansas City. That's the thing. You can never draw up any of their victories. They just seem to get it done. Like okay. they're one of those teams where you, you can't, you know, script what's going to happen. But they're going to make something happen. And they're going to, you know, separate Ben from the football, or they're going to, you know, take take the ball away through the air with an Eric Berry interception. Something along those lines. Usually, is going to break the way uh, of Kansas City. It always seems to happen. Especially when Justin Hunter's going to be in the game, and we've seen his ability to affect, you know, just dominate a pass rush on his own. So, Houston, yeah, okay, 
Yeah, you know, that's going to be the ultimate is going to be the pressure that they're going to be able to have to put on Big Ben. And they're going to have to put a lot of pressure on. They're going to have to. And then I think that they will. You know, it, it's, that's where it's, it, if I look at this game from the Steelers standpoint, from a Big Ben standpoint, where we looked at it last week and said, wow, this is a great start for Big Ben. Uh, you know, he should be able to do some damage against this Miami uh, defense. When you look at this one, you're going to worry because if you're in, uh, you know, these leagues where it's like you, you have the, the big losses on the interceptions, he's got a good potential to throw at least one interception in this game. I think that's probably almost even a solid lock. And well, there's sure. a good potential for two, and you also have the potential for fumbles because of the, of the type of pressure and the way that he holds on to the ball, trying to get a guy open and to make a play happen. That's where you're, you're going to see some exposure for uh, some negative points. I mean, he even threw two last week against the lackluster defense in Miami. You know, he finishes just the QB five in a you know eight QB slate and when he was in a prime <laughs> matchup, right. like he at home. And now you look at it. Uh, the QB eight slate. I like that. Line. How about how about in our playoff league too, where it's six points for passing touchdown, a negative four for interception. Yeah. I was watching that going, ha ha, and I'm looking up who's got Big Ben. Who got stuck with Connor Cook? Anybody? No, no, no. one took him. No one took. Him. We have right. eleven teams, so. Uh, to be honest, I, I got broke. I asked Wiper right before the game. I don't even know if you can do it, but I was thinking, I'm like, something tells me Cook might have a day. He's going to surprise. <laughs> I was gonna he had a day on I was going to call Charlie and do it, see if I could swap it out. I'm glad I did. Um, here's one thing to consider. I agree with you guys on the Big Ben thing. I think that this is kind of their season a little bit. I think the mojo is a little bit more in the favor of the Steelers. There's something with the whole... Bradshaw, Tom. Oh, Lynn. yeah, right. I think there's just something about, I think, the, the Bell is probably, you know, right now the best player in the in the league offensively. The sec, second top, there's a lot of, one of them still is a Brown, but the stat here is the Chiefs have only allowed two passing touchdowns in the last four games. <laughs> so, that just shows you that this is a tough <laughs> fucking secondary. It's a tough the, the, the pressure that they get the quarterback doesn't give the quarterback enough time to get the ball down the field. And you got uh, Barry and Peters, and it's a it's a solid defense. And then you add to the stat that you're giving Stags, where um, you know Reed's got an extra, that extra week to game plan. It, it, it spells some trouble for the passing game. Um, but I still think that, that, that I still think you know Bell is just at that. He's just at the crochet. He's in the peak form right now. Uh, so the, if you want the actual the, the, the whole game plan that how it has to be, it has to be where you are in the first two to three drives of the game, not allowing Pittsburgh to truly establish their running game yet. Okay, you're going to need to score points in that in that time as well. But if they're able to do that, and then you get Pittsburgh into being, you know, starting to pass a little more, take some chances because you're. You get some pressure on them, or you can create an early turnover, and then get get an early lead through some chicanery, you know. And you get up a, a BS ten nothing. Is this a play that? Oh yeah. Oh, I would love a charcuterie. <laughs> can we have one of those catered to us while we're yeah. doing the podcast? We can do that. That would be awesome. I'll just bring. I'll get one to Let's go. do it. All right. I'll cut the cheese. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be the first yeah. time on the podcast. Yeah, no doubt. No. <laughs> uh, but for the thing that I look at is just. You know, from a DS, DFS perspective, it's Big Ben on the road. He is awful on the road. To put this in perspective, Big Ben scores two fantasy points less uh, than Alex Smith does at home when he is on the road. Over the last three years, 
he's just not good whenever he leaves Heinz Field. And that means better things for Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell should get a ton. Can I second what you're talking about? Here are the stats on, uh, on, on Ben on the road this season. Heinz Field, 70 Point eight uh, completion percentage, twenty touchdown, five interception, sixteen point seven passer rating. That's home. Away from Hinesfield, fifty nine point four completion percentage, nine TDs, eight interceptions, seventy eight point four passer rating. Is that good? Not good. No. <laughs> and it's against the team that gets pressure and can get interceptions. Like I have concerns, and if I'm playing DFS, I am not. I'm fading. Uh, ben Roethlisberger completely. I won't have any of him in my lineups. It's going to be a lot of Le'Veon Bell. I still think, you know, Antonio Brown is going to be be there on screens and other plays, and he's still going to make something happen after the catch or make a deep bomb happen, and it'll help Ben a little bit. But the rest of these players, Ladarius Green was still held out of practice today. Eli Rogers is, you know, nothing special. He's catching a couple passes here or there. Uh, Darius Hayward Bay is involved. You know, Sammy Coates isn't involved. They're using a new guy, Demarcus Ayers, now. Um, Wasn't this the Coates game? I think this because Brem had five touchdowns earlier this season when they played this team. Five. I was at home, <laughs> but he had five touchdowns. They beat the Kansas City forty-three to fourteen earlier. And was it? Uh, and was that right before touchdowns. Kansas City? Is that the first half too? I think it was that right before Kansas City went on their like mad started their mad mad run. Yeah, he went and that was that was the big game for Coates, where he had like two touchdowns and yeah, huge. It's the last time he caught a ball. Essentially, was this week. Basically, you could destroy the cornerback too for this team. It was October second. Philip Gaines, you you can beat him up, but they're running so many different players out of that second wide receiver position that it's tough to tell who's going to be the guy to catch passes. Agreed. So. Yeah, I, I think Coates is worth a very, very, very... Oh, and I don't think Coates is good. I'm just saying, yeah. Coates had his game he did. the last and, time they And played. they went on a five-game win streak after that and only lost two games the rest of the season. The yeah, and Coates had zero, I think one catch the next five weeks after that because he broke his couple fingers or whatever. I remember I had yeah. the first waiver wire spot and I just thought I got a gem in Coates. Picked, used it up, and then like... This Coates got him, a bunch of balls! Ten hours later... Double finger banged himself. Uh, Speaking of finger banging, I, I gotta just say it. Do it. That that Dave and Mike's uh, wedding, the when when the girls finger banging the cousin. <laughs> Stags like go to football, go to football. Don't like D-Rex yeah, do it. I'm doing the. Uh, oh okay. Yeah. She's like, oh, say, swipe oh, in the phone. Swipe right. Swipe up. We're moving it on pictures. <laughs> All the big Apple finger gesture moves for fingering. That shit was fucking hilarious. All right, I digress. Back to football. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anything uh, else you got to say? In. Antonio Brown's a good play. Uh, they'll move him around the formation enough where he'll be heavily involved. Even when Coates was going off in that game, uh, you know, Antonio Brown still got his in four for 64 and two. The thing is, they're just. Such a different team on, on the home and the road. Like yeah. they put up stinkers all year long uh, on the road, and I don't know if I can trust them. But it makes for interesting sort of tournament const- roster construction because people, you know, aren't going to trust Brown and, and Ben Roethlisberger, but they will heavily, heavily invest in Bell. Well, I'm also just because how these uh, is is lining up that we're going to have at least some more competitive games this weekend than we did last weekend because. 
that was really not super compelling football last weekend. So I, I'm looking forward to this is actually one of the games that I'm most looking forward to is, is to see how this Pittsburgh-Kansas City game comes Because I'm also still a defensive guy at heart. And, and for that reason, I've always been a Steeler fan, you know, and I'm, and I'm uh, for the AFC side, especially ever since I went to Iowa and, the, and, the, and how, you know, the connection of the, of the colors. And the like, hand jibbers. Yep. And, well, hey, and my, and my brother-in-law is from Pittsburgh and a diehard Steeler fan, so I'm always... Rooting for him as well. This is the AFC team, so I, it, it doesn't hurt. I don't have any other allegiances. I love I love both these teams. I kind of agree. And I went to KU, so obviously I saw a lot of awesome shows inside Arrowhead. I went to a number of Arrowhead games while I was at KU. Actually, was when that last time they were playing uh, Week 17 on that uh, that was the Christmas game. There was just a crazy storm. They were showing that circular big, and I remember seeing like the zoo rope, uh, zoo TV tour or whatever there, and like with Bono and them in '92 and see, looking. I got crazy. A, but I got a question for you. So I'm, 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 I'm you were like at no, you were at KU, and, and okay, you were playing fantasy football then. I was yeah. at Iowa. I was playing fantasy football then. One of the things I hated Kansas City back then. Because they had nobody on their goddamn team that was worth a damn watching for fantasy football, which is kind of almost how it was now. Because think about it, back then, what they had it was it was Barry Word and uh, well, when I was going, I, Montana was there for a little bit while I was in college. Okay, so he was there for a little bit. I'm a Niner guy, but so even still, they weren't like the dynamic scoring uh, no, team then or anything. They never have been. So this right. team has never ever in literally the last thirty years been a dynamic. So that was also part of my disdain and one of the main reasons why I was Maybe so happy when I got direct. TV because I'm like I don't have to be stuck out here where I get I got you know I had the two teams that I had no fantasy players on the Bears and then my AFC team out there was that was the was the Chiefs those are the two games that you would see every week <laughs> I'm like I don't even get to watch any of the guys I drafted Holmes Holmes <laughs> wow and that was yeah. before Sounds you had like, like the bars well, it was also before <laughs> you had the, before you had the bars that were always showing all the games either because they couldn't do it they all had. Just their local feeds. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, I think you were hanging out at the Grand Bars. <laughs> nah, you're right. <laughs> you're true. It was funny. It's, it's weird. Fantasy football over the years. Um, let's go over to... Um, let's... Are, you, are, are we... No, nah, I, I don't think we're done with the Steelers yet. Uh, what's going to happen? Ladarius Green ruled out already. Concussion protocol done. Uh, it's just... Well, he was out of practice today, but not ruled out for the game. I thought already he was ruled out. I don't think so. Okay. I'll, 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 do practice today. I'll do a quick verification. I saw that thing on FF today that they ruled them out for this week's game. But whatever. Um, regardless, Jess, Jesse James. Meh. Eh. I think the whole thing's mad because of the stats we're throwing out in favor of the Chiefs. No, he just doesn't practice. They haven't just didn't practice. They won't rule him out until like... Let's be honest. Games. If he plays, is he is he, a, is he a difference maker? No. Yeah. I mean, you think so? He's going to have to be because they don't have a... The locked in wide receiver two right now. Yeah, but he also goes Eli. into his, he goes into his meh as far as Eli all the rest Rad- of these. Eli Rogers is meh. No, no, but I'm talking <laughs> about I'm talking about, I'm talking about your characterization of the rest of the tight ends for DFS yep. this week. Ladarius Green is in that meh because yeah, you're going to need to get some offense out of him, but he's not anyone you're going to be able to count on to get 60 yards or whatever. Yeah. Also, the Chiefs are very very tough against tight ends. Always have been. Eric Berry. Let's remember, you know, this team. <sighs> It's just good. And they always just seem to find a way. They, they like do those thousand little cuts to death. And you know, when, we're, we're, when we flip over to the other side, this offense is going to be that type of style. Let's, flip, let's do it right now. 
The Steelers on the other side are the 21st against Titans. While we, while we both agree that Shazier is an awesome player and can contain Kelsey, let's be honest, if they're doing that post pattern at, at, at five, six yards, it's unguardable. And Shazier, I don't give a crap. The, Kelsey's, just give Kelsey 15 targets and some magic can happen there. Uh, so Kelsey can make some things happen with, against that Steelers D. And I think it all starts with him offensively as far as he's the only – Unknown variable there. I mean, is, is, is Spencer Ware, is he healthy enough? Can he do something against? What are your thoughts on him fantasy-wise this week? I think Spencer Ware is sort of a strong mid-price play. He's going to be in a lot of my DFS lineups. Uh, basically, Spencer Ware, you know, missed week 17. The Sharkhandrick West got a little bit going. Are they going to be able to do that again? I don't think they want to go with Sharkhandrick West. I think they know that where is the player that, that makes them more dynamic. And he rushed for 82 yards last time he played the Steelers on just 13 carries. They're going to feed him. Pittsburgh's not very strong against the run game. They're very strong against opposing quarterbacks and opposing wide receivers. So you're better off attacking them you know, in the middle of the field, especially you know, lately. Yeah, and... If for their game plan for success, you're going to want to be able to establish the runs so that you can also keep Ben Roethlisberger and that offense off the field, uh, especially if you're able to create a turnovers and stuff. Yeah, they're going to lean heavily on that running attack, and that's one of those things that you want to do as a home team. As a home team, you need to be able to establish a run game, and a coach like Andy Reid, who's been around for as long as he has and as many playoff games as he's been to, that's that's the plan. The plan is establish a run. Shut them down early, force them into becoming a one-dimensional team, and lean lean on on on, uh, on Spencer Ware. In addition to leaning on Spencer Ware, this also could be a game where they give four or five rushing attempts per to a bad. guy like Tyree Kill. Oh yeah, he could be more involved in the run game than he's been all season. And we've seen how he also catches some screen passes, and we know what he could do on a return game. But I think this is a game where they could feed him a couple more carries than you think. Well, I think you're right because this is also one of those things when you have that extra week of game planning. And you know now that you have a unique talent in Tyreek Hill who is not just a prototypical uh, big outside receiver who's going to throw you out there. you got to kind of get him to be in open space. You now had the extra week where you could have installed a couple of different unique things. So you're right. Whether it's four runs, whether it's a bunch of different weird uh, jet screens and things like that or different ways that they're going to find to get him the ball, he's going to be probably on the field a bit more than he has been uh, you know, even down the stretch. I think he's going to be nearly on the field every single play. So. Yeah. Uh, I don't think yeah. Just a threat of him because you just need him yeah. for a threat. In order to take attention away to be able to exploit some other A lot of those motions where you don't know whether it's going to go right to them, a quick handout to them, you got to be using those kind of smoke and mirrors to set up that play when you don't use it, but setting up other plays. And then, yeah, Jeremy Macklin, you know, coming off of bye weeks, another week healthier. Uh, last time against the Steelers, he caught uh, five passes for 78 yards. Is he going to be, what, what percentage do you think you, he'll be at for this game? I'd like. 100? He's 100%? 100? He's going to be at 100. <laughs> Was that, I mean, is that a Chicago thing or is that, uh, is that 100? I think it's a, I have it's a Chicago thing. I just, I just like the way it sounded. It's just thick. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Stags thing. 
Nah, nah, I definitely stole that from somebody. <laughs> like the whole African American community. <laughs> Keeping it up. We steal a lot. We steal a lot from them. At least I, some good at least shit. I admit it. It's good. <laughs> it's like you got the good shit. Like yeah. I'm gonna borrow some of it. Uh, no doubt. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think he's gonna be out there. So now that I think that they're at full I strength, had good, I had a good one I could have thrown in there. Now, okay, now that their receivers are at full strength. And Tyreek Hill's, you know, a dynamic weapon. And Kelsey's proven that he can take over games. I think Alex Smith might be a better play than people give him credit for when you look at this matchup. But the Steelers have allowed just one fantasy quarterback over 20 fantasy points this year. Hmm. And their defense has gotten a lot tight, a lot better over the last uh, half of the season. So We sort of talked about it last week, how they're doing it. They're not blitzing as much. They're running a lot of sort of two-zone coverage. Just, hey, you know, knock it down and diagnose us and beat us. But Alex Smith's one of those guys that can kind of do that. You guys cool with this? All right, before we get into, actually, before we'll do a little segue, before we uh, get into the next matchup, listen to this, but then after that, we'll do some, uh, let's talk about some head coaching action. How about it? Um, all right, help us out. Listen to our sponsors right here. Let's talk about, uh, you know, obviously in the last week, three head coaching spots have been uh, filled. I think that leaves two remaining, right? Um well, I don't know where you San guys are. San Francisco, San Francisco, and LA, and San Diego are still so open. So three. So three, three have been filled. Three are open. God, six. That's All in California still open. California's open. <laughs> um, open for business. <laughs> where do you want to start? Should we start with uh, Doug Marone? Use the first hire. Might as well make yeah. it the first topic point. Uh, Doug Marone seems like a decent enough hire. The fact that nothing's going to change. For Jacksonville, he's a guy who apparently believes in Blake Bortles, and that was one of the main factors in sort of you know him being the head guy. We've seen him be a head guy for a small stretch and have some success. You know, have you know a fairly good defense, and he's a guy who was at what Syracuse back back in the day who had a pretty high flying, high powered offense. Now, if he can recreate that, you know, moving Allen Robinson around the formation and using their secondary players as secondary players, but making him a focus and making, you know, the run game a focus, whether it's through the draft or, you know, clearing away for one of these guys, uh, that something could work out. I mean, T.J. Eldon got hurt again, but he had a decent enough year when you look for fantasy-wise. And when he was fed touches, he never picked up great 100-yard games or anything, but he had effective fantasy days. Chris Ivory, sort of that same stretch, but they ate into each other so, you know, so much. And they were both they were both losing the ball a lot. And injured. That, that, was, that was the problematic thing in the just game. Game watching was like, God, he always felt like they were fumbling the ball. I, I just think of Doug Marone, and I'm just like, that's the guy who left Buffalo, right? Yeah. That's the guy. The, you know, the, the last time that Buffalo had a winning season was under Doug Marone. Twelve years ago was under Doug Marone. It was well, twelve years ago. Doug Marone wasn't there. Doug Marone was not the coach in two thousand. No, it was, he was the coach like, in like two thousand fourteen. Yeah, Doug Marone is the only coach to guide the Bills to a winning record since two thousand four. Guarantee it's wrong. Okay, I guarantee. Look it, it up. Doug Marone, find out what year he coached the Bills. All right, hang on, hang on. I'm, 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 gonna if I'm reading it. fake news, I'm reading fake news. I guarantee you, it's real. I will bet, like, all my money that I don't have. 
<laughs> well, let's while you're looking that up, the one thing, the caveat with this is, which is important to note, Tom Coughlin, who we noted last week, might have been, was potentially in line to be the hire, who is their first head coach ever. He's got, uh, he's got the keys. He's the executive vice president, and from what we're reading, he's got the calls on the final roster. So they're hiring Marone, but they're giving him some sort of, um, you know, big brother, some, some. I mean, some, good. Let's call him Big Grandpa. Every coach needs oversight, and I don't know if Marone's a personnel guy to where. Hey, these guys are going to have to work together. They're going to have to figure it out. <laughs> it wasn't hired until 2013. So it's, it, it's 2014 was so when he won it? In 2014, he led them to a winning season. Their first winning season since they finished 9-7 under Mike Malarkey in 2004. Got it. Who uh, who wrote this? Let's put him on blast. FF today. Oh, so, man. So... Anyway, but still, it's how surprising to me that a guy that walked away from a coaching job, you don't normally get hired with that close to, to walking away. Well, the thing is, he walked away on his own terms, and he thought he was going to be the head coach of the Jets then. Yeah. Bef- yeah that's- well, and then, and then as I think about it, Bobby Petrino still got coaching jobs, and... He walked away. The thing is, remember, oh, from the scene of the well, incident. Yeah, with, 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 a neck, with a neck brace on. <laughs> from the scene of the incident, he walked away. Did you see how hot that girl was that he was had on the back? I, that was one of the, I, right there, I was like, you failed. Mistress, so, too, right? Oh, like, mistress. Uh, yeah, right. The hot, she was like oh, a volleyball yeah. player. She yeah, was like was. literally a foot and a half taller than him. Like, it, so hot. When I saw that press conference, I was like, you failed yourself. You should have been a coach of some sort of sport and dip in the wick in all the other sports on the girls' side. <laughs> <laughs> so, holla for a dollar. I'm marriage material. So, the reason Doug Marone left, right, is because... You know, they had a change in ownership. They gave him sort of an out. Uh, and he decided, hey, my quarterback is EJ Manuel. You know, what else is going well for me here? See ya. You know, he got, and the rest of his contract was guaranteed because of the change. So he got paid whether he stayed or left. So he left for a better situation that never came about. And now, you know, arguably he's got a pretty good one. He's got what a three-year, you know, coaching deal in Jacksonville. Where I, I think Jacksonville is in a better spot than Buffalo is. Um, at least you don't live in Buffalo. I guess you got that going for and you. And we saw the disarray that that franchise is in. We'll get to the head co- the head coach just went there uh, as well. But there's just, I mean, there's just some some tr- trouble happening in that front office and ownership, and it is the Siberia of the NFL. Um, Anything else you got? So I think I, you covered it right. I mean, you, they're not going to give up on Bortles yet. He's coming off his best season last year and then looked like garbage this year. They think it's a mechanics thing. They've got some pieces in place. Obviously, there must be a lot of players in the team that they've talked to, uh, both sides of the ball, that say, hey, that we trust, we like this guy, we, we'll, we'll play and compete for him. So instead of going out and bringing something new, they rose him up the ranks, and we'll see where that goes. It's Jacksonville. They're always going to have a problem getting elite talent. They've got to build within their own franchise a lot through the draft because they are in that. Well, but let's, but let, in, let's hold a, on a second. They're in a non-ideal city for NFL. Hold on a second. Green Bay. Name me all the high-priced free agents that have gone to Green Bay. They built everything from within. 
Julius yeah. Peppers, the only one. Yeah, and before that was Reggie White. Reggie White. No, so you have to, and, and these are two uh, guys that were both well-established defensive guys, but they, they don't go and spend the money and, and, and go, oh, hey, I'm just, saying it can be done. No, 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 right. They're, that's what the I'm way saying. they're going to have to You're talking about uh, uh, where the city owns the damn team, yeah. where they have no flipping money whatsoever, yet they're always able to put this competitive product on the field. The problem is you also have good coaches there. Uh, you know, so do I, you? McCarthy, <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to give him McCarthy and say he's a bad coach. I mean, you know, you could say that a lot of people are bad. You know, what is he bad? Is he is he a bad game manager? Yes. Well, maybe I could tell you over two thirds of the coaches in this league are bad game managers. Well, we'll get sure. to McCarthy when we get to McCarthy, because there are some crazy stats that he's about to achieve if they win this week. I mean, he's. Is whether he's a good coach or not, and in one of the most storied franchises, he's about to be numbers and stats wise the most prolific coach in the franchise. But this is the thing: is if if Jacksonville as an organization can get to the point where they said that they don't need to go out and and this is the thing, you know, this is why the Bears have struggled as well too, because every time that the Bears try to fill holes, it's all right, we're going to sign these three big free agent signings. Look, we just threw all this money at these guys. You can't be throwing all the money at the Chris Ivories and, and, and everybody else in free agency. You need to be start drafting these guys, developing these guys. And once you can get three good drafts in a row, you know what? All of a sudden, you become a Seattle Seahawks or, or a Green Bay or whatever. It's like it's, That's what it takes. Yeah, no question. Yeah, I just didn't stick to the plan. They're like, oh, but there's also a spending floor in the NFL that you have to meet, and that's why you have to throw money at Chris Ivory because fucking nobody else will come there, and that's why you throw $100 million at Malik Jackson and he ain't worth it because there's a spending floor. Well, but but if you're you're drafting correctly, then you're just paying your guys not to leave. Yeah, Yeah, sure. But we got to fill in the holes. You guys guys, guys are both spot on. But they're always going to have those sort of issues that a lot of franchises around there don't. And I don't know how Green Bay somehow because it's such a storied franchise and they're just they've they gotten just lucky have, with Favre and Rodgers, which yeah. has sustained them for over two fucking decades. That's it. Sounds a little better, bro. I am a little better. It's pretty better, but it's not after living through Favre, going, "Okay, you motherfuckers, they're going to go back to the days of Lynn Dickey," and then all of a sudden it's fucking Aaron Rodgers. I'll say this to all you Packers fans: it's going to be nice, and it's going to happen sometime in the next ten year window. Where when we get the badass, and you guys don't get your third in a row. After Aaron Rodgers, and you guys are spelunking and really stinking it up, and you all, you owners, all suck, and we're firing it up, winning it all. What up? Am I the the only one who doesn't think the Bears are ever going to have a good quarterback? It'll happen at some point. Look, look, if you have been like. If the Cubs can win the World Series this year, the Bears can have a good quarterback. When you were so young that you couldn't even watch them because the only way you could watch the home games if you. uh, Well, you couldn't because they weren't on television with the Blackhawks. But when they would ever play the Red Wings for the longest time, it was just we were outclassed. They'd they'd get 60 shots on goal. We'd have 30, and Eddie Belfort would keep us in the game. And now all of a sudden, well, the it's Red, it went. No, no, but the switch you're talking about. The Blackhawks became the Red Wings and are now the super skilled team that's winning all the, the cups. And where's Detroit? Haven't seen you. Haven't seen you right. You're making the playoffs, but you're not doing anything. Well, you basically just said right there that Virginia McCaskey needs to pass away. <laughs> hey, hey, sorry, we love you, Virginia. Unfortunately, Stems. I don't see a Rocky word amongst one of the McCaskies. <laughs> Next, coach. mom doesn't like losing. <laughs> 
Yeah. My mom does, I, I, I talked to her yesterday. So what has she been like doing for the last two decades? All right, guys. No. Bitterness. <laughs> this is off season. We're allowed yeah, to. We're, yeah. We're getting that. We're talking go football. Okay, go for it. Yeah, we're talking football. I just said somebody needs to croak. <laughs> I think we're... <laughs> I'm already going to hell. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, next head coaching job. You got it? Uh, yeah. Hang on. <laughs> you can stop crying now. He's dead already. I'm not crying. You should stop crying. I don't cry. I'm not a baby. Really? Because you look like a gigantic baby. I'm sorry. I didn't mean that at all. <laughs> Next coach, go for it. You going Sean McDermott? Yeah, I'm going Sean McDermott, who was, I guess, hired first uh, in Buffalo. Uh, so. McDermott's interesting enough that they say he's likely to bring Mike McCoy with him, and that's going to be a big, you know, potential hire. But McCoy is also potentially going over to Denver um, to, you know, he coached there previously. So I'm not sure about Sean McDermott. This just seems like, for fantasy purposes, this sort of scares me until I see who his offensive coordinator is. He's a defensive-minded guy. I think Anthony Lynn was great as their offensive coordinator, but he doesn't look likely to come back and be the offensive coordinator again for a guy they pick over him. You know, he'll just go somewhere else. Uh, so that's what really concerns me. Well, have they, have, this, they, have they said that Sean McDermott has the right to choose everyone that's going to be on his staff, or are they retaining anyone that that uh, he's coming into? No, nobody's being retained. So. I don't know. I, I Is don't Doug know. Wiley being Wiley being tra- retained? Yeah. I, I want to see the interview. I, yeah. What do you think about Sean Murray? I have no idea. I have no part in this this uh, signing of this coach. <laughs> I, I just I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm, I don't know how I can get excited about this. It's like Buffalo has made so many mistakes at their head coaching positions for so long. Doug Marone being the last one to gave him a winning season, and then left. Uh, because he in didn't, 2013. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, hired in 13, left in 2000 after 2013. I'm just never going to get this right. <laughs> and it was Rex for 15 and 16. So um, it, it's been succession after succession, and, and I just don't know who the evaluators are there. That are, are, they, are they trustworthy? Is there, I mean, McDermott, the, the <laughs> thank you, thank you. Real point, case in point. And McDermott is not a guy that I was sitting here hearing so much buzz about. Like, oh my God, you got to get this coordinator. This is the guy. Um, I mean, there was a lot more buzz for McDermott last year when this defense was. Yeah, when they were know, when they were Super Bowl team. game. Yeah, a Super Bowl team. Yeah, you heard a lot more buzz then. But you know, the defense for Carolina performed fairly well. But you know, you got to think about. It seems like they wanted to go back to a four-three on defense. You know, move away from this 3-4 that they were kind of running with Rex, this multiple um, you know, sort of fronts. So it seems like they want to go back to the 4-3 where they've got players in spots to where it could work out. I mean, because then you can play Darius in a natural three-position technique. Well, um, and then you can play Shaq Lawson on the outside and Hughes on the outside. And these guys at the end. And then the linebackers don't look as bad. And you've got some you know, depth. But let me ask you a question. If you're going to do that, if you're going to go from the 3-4 to the 4-3... And, and you're gonna you're gonna now start. It, it's switching personnel. You're also setting yourself back. I mean, you're, I, you're, I I thought when they switched to the three four, it was the wrong scheme. 
So, so, so but, but the problem is that now you have kind of guys that are kind of in the mix of both. Yes. And yes. so you don't really have a defined thing there. So now you're going to come in and you want to reform the defense. You got to realize it's kind of like the Bears. It's they took the Bears with nothing there, you know, really two full years, and now we'll see next year truly what our three-four defense is. Is Sean McDermott coming in? Does he have? He doesn't have that long of a leash. Well, that's, that's this, this is, this all these history. franchises that have this this uh, this turnstile of coaches coming in that changes system. Don't give them the window of opportunity to make realize their change. And I think the same thing's going to happen with Fox. Whatever happens with the Bears next year, I think Fox will get fired after the season. And whoever they bring in is going to bring in, maybe, hopefully, keep the same system in place, but probably have their own new shenanigans going on. And now you're sitting there. And that's why these teams are always having to go out and get new coaches. And I agree with you. McDermott does not have the leash to go in and do his new system Bring in his 4-3, get away from what's been going on, and have enough wherewithal or, or, or confidence from the from the team, and they've shown this before with their coaches, to realize his dream. And, make, and it takes a while. It's not an overnight thing. True. And the other thing, though, with the Bears, though, even if you jettison Fox next year, you do have the potential to maybe say, let's give Vic Fangio his first chance. Do you want to be a head coach? Because he's the guy that's forming that defense and, and taking it from ground yeah, zero just, and I building it back up. my mouth. I know, but, but that's the type of thing, and again, that's the type of thing that the Bears would do, but it's like, if you're going to do that, if you're going to have that turnstile thing, it's almost better if you have somebody in the building. Look, that's why they wanted the, uh, what was it, Lindell, the guy, to, to be able to take the job, and he just, could, well, I mean, he just shit the bed, too, as the head coach in the last game of the season, so. I, I mean, it, it, pretty much every coach shits the bed against Belichick. If you haven't figured that out right now, you get a pass against <laughs> Big Bill. No, but you have to at least... Not get completely whitewashed. Well, the thing is, he wanted to also play Tyrod Taylor, and they made him play Jim Manuel. He's a scrub. Let's let's stick on this game with McDermott. The one thing I think, other than that scheme, of the defensive scheme that happens, and he's a defensive coach, and I think it's a defensive-minded city, and if they can bring McCoy, who's an offensive-minded, I think a great a mastermind. Oh, if you can bring Mike McCoy in there as the offensive coordinator. I, I think he'd kind of, much rather go to Denver again. But that's just me. No, I, well, I don't think if, if McCoy goes there, I think it's good yin and yang there. And but but the but one thing do I think, you want to do that if you're a Sean McDermott? Do you want to bring in a guy who is just a head coach who still has head coaching aspirations when you're 42 years old and getting your first opportunity? Do you want to be looking around over your shoulder, or do you want to have some guys that are? You won't have a job unless you bring in somebody to run yeah, the offense. Well, but then you better better be like a Mike Tomlin and have faith in the guys that you hire and say, I'm hiring these guys because they're great coaches. Yeah, and, 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 and I think, yeah, and I think that's what, hopefully but that's, that's not always how it's done. But I hopefully McDermott's got that kind of confidence and been told, hey, we like you, bring in the right friend. But the one thing, the reason why I think, other than everything else, and we've got a limited knowledge on this guy, but it seems like he's a no nonsense guy. It's a, it's a, it's a X's and O's, earn your keep. Do this where you're coming off of a Rex Ryan that is just a big talking, walking idiot. And he goes in and everything he says is like, even when your team is fucking, uh, you know, five and seven, we're going to win this game and we're going to run it out and we're going to make the playoffs. And then when we make the playoffs, we're going to win the championship. It's like everyone's looking at like, is this guy for real? Well, because it worked once in New York. Yeah, it worked one time. So to go from that to the stabilized, real slow and steady, 
the hope is that he's more of a, he can bring that, and he isn't the next. Uh, who's the old coach for Miami? The guy from Gonzula? Uh, no, Philbin. Oh. Hopefully, he's not a Philbin and just so dry and so can't can't uh, motivate the truth because he is that kind of just. So regimented guy. Phil is older too. This is he's a young guy. No question. No I think this guy he's has a better relatability. Yeah, forty-two. He's got a better relatability, I think, to Sorry, the players right now. Age. I was gonna say he's younger than me. Instead, I said he's your age. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. All right, let's move on to the next one. Vance. Uh, we all thought we talked to last week that we thought maybe um, Shanahan was going to be the guy. We knew that he wanted to go there. Had the ties with his father. Made the uh, Joseph Vance gets the uh, gig today. Um, Joseph Vance, two, Vance Joseph, two, two first sorry. names. Yeah, um, <laughs> got you a little befuddled there. Yeah, it always happens. Um, two first names. <laughs> yeah, good week, Colorado. <laughs> so Vance Joseph, uh, you look at his numbers from Miami, and you will not be impressed. You look at what their defense was able to do this season, but. Uh, that's not the reason they hired him. Remember, he was almost hired for this job two years ago over Kubiak. Uh, now we've got to see if... I mean, it's definitely a gamble, but this is a guy they want in the building because they think he can motivate people and lead people and also be sort of a player's coach. And you've got to see to the players with sort of these guys that they have on that defensive side of the ball. Um, what they're going to do on defense, it's probably still going to end up being a 3-4, but there's word of you know Wade Phillips leaving and going to Los Angeles potentially. So how is that? As a head coach? No, as their defensive coordinator potentially. Right. But that's going to be a major, major factor. Uh, we've got to see who he brings in because he's one of these younger, but he's got a lot of Colorado ties and things along those lines, and, and he's got connections with people in the front office, but he seems to be a guy who can lead and motivate people, and that's what's going to be the biggest factors. As for scheme-wise, you know, it's going to be tough. He's is does he, They're saying Bill Musgrave or Mike McCoy. Both established offensive coordinators. Bill Musgrave, you know, that was a weird little spat with how he wasn't retained by the Raiders. Uh, you know, pretty much it was Jack Del Rio or Bill Musgrave. They weren't letting go of Del Rio, so Musgrave was the guy to go. Uh, didn't renew his contract, even though, you know, that offense was awesome while Derek Carr was in there. Um, so, I, I'm if you can get either of those two offensive coordinators – and then find a guy you like to run your defense sort of stylistically close to bum. It's going to be good. Bum. So, nice. Yeah, son of bum. Bum. Um, you know what the crazy thing is? Is that this guy, and the fact that he almost got that job two years ago, he's never been anything but a uh, defensive backs coach until last year, until yep. one year with Miami. Um, that's, that's awesome, but... We'll see. I think uh, he's Valverde. Valverde. <laughs> I guess. My homie over here on this honeymoon getting as much sex as he possibly can ever have. Are you giving to a hard and rough dude? Come on. The wife wants me to do certain things that I find inappropriate. Let me just say that if God was a city planner, he would not put a playground next to a sewage system. <laughs> oh, my God. You yeah. are 
Godmer, a I'll city planner. Yeah, so what do you think? There's a lot of unknowns. That's that's going to be interesting if they go Musgrave or um, uh, McCoy. McCoy. Uh, I think the thing I like about what you said is that he's more of a player. He's 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 uh, got his 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 means, and he's probably not he's not a strict, hardened, steady kind of guy. He's more of a player's coach, but not too loosey goosey. Let's be honest, Elway's the hammer in that franchise, so it's almost a good thing to be able to bring in a coach that can relate, or a player's coach that can relate, because the team is. Scared shitless of Elway. And Elway brings it down. He's so hands-on. He's in that locker room. I mean, when you're talking GM that's sitting there, I mean, he's on the sidelines doing it. It's good to offset that. If everyone is, is, is laying down the hammer and, 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 and spinning the golden rule gospel, then it's, it's tough on the players. These guys are young. You, even look at Von Miller. How old is Von Miller right now? Is he even 25? 25 or 26? 25 years old? It's like you need... 27, 28? <coughs> I don't think he's that old. that many years in the league already? No way. Um, he's young, man. All right, I'll tell you. I like 27. I, I'm, I'm, right, right. I'm going 25. Alright, I'm, 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 I'm going 27. I'm going 26. Oh, he's 20. He's in his sixth season. Yeah, guys, he just signed that big deal after a five-year deal. I know. I, I thought. I thought he was. I thought he was. Wow. He's, he's, he's 27. He's 27 and 291 days. Oh, so he's almost get, He's almost on 28. I thought. I took him for a younger fella. Um. All right, but I, I like that. So you got Elway. Let him be the uh, the ruffian. The the guy that brings the, uh, the, the plus the this hate is, to plus, the and scared them to these guys. Yeah, plus this is also a locker room that's very very vocal, and especially on the defensive side of the ball, you've got to know how to talk to these guys, or else they're gonna lash out in the media, or lash out through other Akeem Talib and all well, these other Kubiak, guys. older dude, Phillips, older dude. Uh, Vance is 44 years old. He's one year, he's two years older than you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is, is, is he as old as you? Fuck. <laughs> Next year. In, eight, in three months, he, I'll be as old as him. Um, but yeah, he's, I'm right there. But you know that's great, but that makes a lot of sense. I mean, if I was in the locker room with uh, Tlaib, we'd be, uh, well, we'd well, be shooting and, guns together. And think about this. As a, as a Bear fan, right? It's about what's where's the fundamental shift going in the NFL? The fundamental shift is going, bring on younger coaches. Let's let's you know we need to be able to stay in touch with the younger player. What do the Bears do? We gotta hope they don't get heart attacks and die uh, <laughs> in the middle of the season. They they gotta be younger so they can withstand the rigors of fucking season. But then you get the Bears who, who go after one of the, uh, an older coach that has uh, sustained success. But the problem is that it comes a point in time where it gets to be over. All right, we're, we. It's gonna be a, gonna be a four God, hour podcast. Thank God we talked about a bunch of stuff in between and we got it all. But holy criminal, we're like, yeah, like two and a half hour show before we start. We got one more game to go and still got the bitching and bitch slap to go and we're 144 in. Uh, all right, Packers at Cowboys. Let's say they might have saved the best for last. This one should be exciting. You got something you want to play? Oh, I thought you were. I thought you were doing a little. Uh, no, a little no, no, I'm okay. scratching my hand. <laughs> Your favorite guy, Geronimo Allison. Geronimo Allison's a fucking bum. <laughs> Smoking the weed out. He got. He's. He's. Did you read about that? What? He got a uh, marijuana misdemeanor back in like September that it was totally under wraps. Really? Now. Yeah. So he's a bum. He likes weed. I'm a bum. I like weed. 
Oh, you know what? You, you asked me if I had something, but I do have a Val Verde for Randall Cobb. Here. Your girlfriend dumped you, right? Are you hurting? Are you hurt? Stop it. Stop crying. Use your dick. Keep fucking. Fuck everything that moves. Just wear a condom. You're okay. Want a lolly? So we had we talked about Geronimo Allison versus Randall Cobb last week. Me and Stag Party, and obviously um, Stag Party was right. After after um, uh, Cobb's third touchdown, I texted uh, me and uh, Houdini and uh, and Stags and said, "Allison with his third TD catch." <laughs> I was wrong. Ger- Geronimo Allison is just not good, but now. He could have to be good because yeah. now Jordy Nelson's yeah. going to be out potentially. Uh, and when Jordy Nelson went out, you know, Geronimo Allison was playing nearly every fucking snap. And not making many Jordy, plays. Jordy's not playing this week. No, no way. I, I'm sorry. It's, it's, at least, it's at least two. Uh, two there's also potentially a lacerated spleen or something. Or, oh. I don't know about that, but... Regardless, the matter is this: not you're playing. not with with. You can wear a flak jacket. You can do all that. The amount of how breathing is hard with broken ribs. How so many things are difficult. You can shoot him up with as many pain pills. If he takes one shot, yeah, it's it's he's not going to be out there. What do you think? Maybe he is though. The thing is, I'll give him big props if he is. How often does Jordy take shots? Like he catches the ball with tapping two toes and goes out of bounds. And he'll run his slant route, and he'll see somebody coming, and he just ducks down. But you tell me what defensive player that's going up against him is not going to go, I'm press coveraging you all day long, and in that first five yards where it's free reign, I'm hitting you in the ribs. But even worse than that, the thing I'm saying, on the first run play... Oh yeah, the first the run play when you got to be blocking. I'm going. I'm over uh, overcompensating and going right after your rib. I don't care about the running back at all. But I, I think I think the minute I said he's not playing and gone, and then you reiterated it, I was like, Come right, on, he's coming back. It's Jordy. No, no, it had nothing to do with you. It has to do with <laughs> the thought of Jordy Nelson not playing. You talking about getting drugged up, like. I think he actually might play. Fuck, I can see him playing just because he's got that. If he can't go, if he can't go and he sucks and he gets hurt again, it's like then at least it's like he gave it his best. Okay, it's not today, but just for him to outright not play, we'll see. But I, I can see him giving it a shot. Now well, the good news is that it's a Sunday game. I mean, if it was Saturday, I don't think that he'd be able to make it for that Saturday and that short turnaround. So yeah, does it affect it if he doesn't play? At a game level, let's not talk fantasy for a minute. Is is who do you think? Look, before we go on, let's do the same thing we did with, uh, um, with the, uh, the Chiefs the, and the, the Steelers. Chiefs and Steelers. Who do you think is gonna win the yeah. game? Yeah. Who do you think? Because this is. Real I, I, I think the Packers are gonna still win this game. What? I got yeah. the Cowboys, especially if Jordy's out. I got the Cowboys, with or without, with or without. Uh, I mean, I'm close to being on Packers if Jordy were 100 percent healthy. Now that he's not, I'm not. He's their most dynamic player in that sort of wide receiver core. The thing he could do uh, to stretch the field now, his involvement in the red zone. I just, I just, I was I just think all good things I come was to wrong. I was wrong in the regular season about Ezekiel Elliott and the rookie wall. Dak and, and Zeke, I'm taking Aaron Rodgers. I'll they, take my they, chances on the guy that's been in the big pressure situation. We've, we saw Dak kind of... 
sphincter tighten up a little bit in the, in the end of the in, end of the year. I, I just know that hey, Rogers has been there before. If Rogers gets down by fourteen, he's not panicking. If Packers get up and Dak's down by fourteen, I don't know what necessarily happens. I hope it's an awesome game. I think but it's I like, gonna be. But I like the Cowboys. I think. But I think it might have to do with the fact that I've got some fantasy lineups. You do. You got Jason Garrett <laughs> and you got Des Bryant. I got Devontae Adams and I got Jared Cook. So we're both so we're both we're both on a level. Stag says Dick Dallas, so you're 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 in good shape. <laughs> yeah. Except if Jordy plays, then Then you like then you, if Jordy plays, you, you like Green Jordy's Max. a difference maker. That's Obviously. all I'm gonna say about it. How about this? Would you also say that you're let's say that Jordy is gonna play and he's gonna play at sixty percent, but you like Jordy out there just because of, even as a decoy for what he can do? Yeah, a little bit because then they're gonna put, you know, Mo Claiborne's back and playing. So now they're gonna put Claiborne on Jordy and then just the way he is gonna dictate coverage and who guards him is then gonna put a lesser player on a guy like Devontae Adams. Although the one and, thing and I will Adams say Adams has a better bump up and True, and, and, and normally I, would, I, I totally agree. The one thing I will say for Devontae Adams, though, Jordy went out of that game, and Devontae Adams played great. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, we saw Devontae Adams, what, score 12 touchdowns? Although they didn't also really didn't have... Yards. Although the Giants also didn't have Dominic Rodgers for Martin. Yeah, well, but know, that was more on Randall Cobb than it was on that's Devontae true. Adams. That's true, and Adams, Adams had 998 yards in the season. Yeah, yeah. Two yards short. Wasn't, of wasn't, didn't yards. Macklin what finish one year with 997? Probably. I mean, yes. If I was one of those guys, who's like I don't care what we do, throw me a three-yard pass. <laughs> Gotta have a thousand yards. Like <laughs> that close. But the truth is, with Devontae Adams, he dropped so many passes even this year, not like last year. But it's on you. You dropped enough passes where you should have had a thousand. <laughs> well, yards. this is also a revelation of what you and get 15 with fifteen scores. <laughs> what you get, what you get with Aaron Rodgers, and what you get with the Packers receivers is that you, you know, whether it was Donald Driver, whether it's been Jordy Nelson, whether it's been Devontae Adams, uh, uh, you just keep going back. There's always like one or two that are, they may not be getting the, the tons of yards, but they're getting uh, ten to twelve touchdowns. Yeah, um, but I, I like all the pass. I like Adams, and I like. You know, if Jordy Nelson plays, he's going to be an interesting DFS play. Just because I don't think anybody's going to play him. Tournament only. Mm-hmm. But you get him at low ownership just because he'll need to be a late swap. Or he could be in your lineup and then you can maybe go down to a Devontae Adams. What you might want to do is set a couple lineups with Jordy. Make note of those. And then you can sort of do a two-for, you know, do two-for... Uh, guys in this games where you can switch it out and maybe get Dez and Devontae Adams as opposed to... Oh, as long as you can switch it out before the uh, the game starts. Yeah, save there's, a late, there, there's a late swap on DraftKings, not on Yeah, that. okay. You have to save yourself and make sure you have the, the right salary to match up too so that you can yep. do it. Yeah, if you're leaving some extra on the table, it's not going to be too bad. But yeah, I like Devontae Adams. I think Randall Cobb's interesting. I mean, we saw the way he played last week. They've got nobody in the slot who can cover him. Uh, they're the worst team uh, against opposing tight ends on the year in terms of yardage and receptions. So I like Jared Cook. Uh, I also think the backfield is where, you know, catching the ball. Um, Ty Montgomery should be able to make some plays. Well, this is where so I, like I, 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 I got to interject here. Ty Montgomery. Interrupt. Did anybody think that Ty Montgomery was going to come back after that tackle and the, and the way that they showed you what his leg did? And then he's out there, what, eight plays later? 
Uh, no, I didn't. And I'm like, I was like texting my buddy, I'm like, sorry dude, your boy's out for the, for the rest of the playoffs. And it's like, boom, here he is. How is he walking? I, I agree. Yeah, it was tough to watch. And... He must be Mr. Fantastic, you know, must be just like, uh, like a plastic man. <laughs> but yeah, with that, Aaron Rodgers is probably the top QB option on the week because who else is going to score rushing touchdowns for them? <laughs> I mean, there's no threat on the run game to score. It's like, why did we like Aaron Rodgers more than uh, Ben Roethlisberger last week? Dude's scoring every single touchdown for the Packers right now. He might not be doing it with his legs, but he's facilitating it out to Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson and whoever else is in there. So, and talking about Jared Cook, Jared Cook's got 30 targets over the last um, last four games. Uh, including the regular season, so he's been very involved. And, and his, he is so frustrating. Yeah, because but he had, tight end he is, is so bad right now. I understand, but like Rodgers gives him chance after chance, and it's like I don't know. It was early in the game in, in the first half where they were still getting shut down, but he could have made about a forty-yard catch on on a ball that he should have caught, that he should have been able to come back and, and, and take, and he didn't. So. That's what Cook always does for you. It's like he has the potential for that big play, but so many times he drops the ball or just it just just fails when it should be the Who's big that? play. Jared Cook. Yeah, Cookie. Um, all right, are we uh, we got anything else in these guys? Nah. Let's move on. Uh, before we do so, let's uh, keep the lights on, and then out when we come out of that game, I want to do a quick pyro promo, and then we'll get into. Uh, got to talk about the Cowboys. We're not oh. done with yeah. We're not done okay, with the game. Okay, that's right. Fine. Bef- let's do this. Before we go and talk about the Cowboys, let's keep the lights on. <laughs> What's going on? All right. Sometimes I uh, I just went to the restroom myself, come back, and you think that there's everything's already been covered. So the Cowboys in AT and T down in Dallas. You got a lot of youngsters. Dak attack. Ready to ready to uh, bring it. I like this matchup for him. I think that I'm not worried about their age as much as you are. Um, we'll see. I'm more about. I'm talking about game time situations. Now we're going to see what happens because I think you and I and Snags will agree that the the first thing that Dallas is going to do is to come out. They're going to go Zeke. Here's the ball, and if Zeke starts running six. Seven, seven, six, five, seven, fourteen, twenty-two, whatever. Then, then you're feeling really good, and you're able to establish yourself. If I am the Packers, though, and I and, I, and look, the Packers struggle mightily against the pass. So it's it's taking the ultimate strength of the 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 Cowboys as against not the ultimate weakness of the Packers because. If I'm the Packers, I'm going to stuff the box and say, we have got to sell out and stop Ezekiel Elliott and force Dak Prescott to say that he's going to beat us, to make it become a Dak versus Aaron Rodgers game. If that's the way that I'm, if I'm a Packer uh, on defense, this is the way that I want to have it set up because I want it to be that pressure of him against Aaron Rodgers and you have to perform on each one and we're going to make it be you. Now, do I think that the Packers are going to be able to do that? 
100% successfully? No. That's why I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. What did Vegas have on this one? Because this has got to be another close to 50 points. 50, it started at 51.5. It's up one point. And so, so it's a 52.5. This is the highest-scoring game of the uh, weekend as far as they're concerned. Because that's exactly how I see it. I don't see Dallas the Packers. Dallas favored by uh, four and a half points. Okay. And you figure, and if anything you want to figure, it's, it's a, a, usually a field goal for being a home team. So it's a one-and-a-half-point spread. On top of that, because I think that, like Staggs is probably agree, we're going to stay here and agree with, with me. The Packers are not going to be able to stop Ezekiel Elliott even if they stack the box. Well, and I think that that's probably true. And I think that what happens is the game's fluid. Like you said, can the Packers do it? Maybe not. Probably not. So I think you're right. I think that Garrett knows this, and they know they're going to plan to say, let's do short passing game. Let's get. Let's not. Rely completely on LA, and the minute that starts happening, and they've got weapons, you got experience in Witten, you've got Dez, who's one of one of the game breaker elite, and you got a guy that is almost unguardable in Cole Beasley. The minute that starts happening, they're like, "Fuck! All right, we got to move it back a little bit." And then it's just like Elliot down your face, and Elliot. But I think they're going to come out with Elliot. So the, the key is this: Can you force it to be? Because I think if you're if what you just described to me is what I think happens if Elliot's established early. If Elliot's established early, then all those other things that you want to do are wide open to you because of the fact that the defense is now having to respond to every time Elliot touches the ball, it's six yards, it's five yards, and, and, and they're just moving it down the field. I think about it a little bit differently. They've had two weeks off. They've seen how the pack struggles against the passing game. I think they come out with a big shot play to Des. Like try I think they're passing it. I, I think they come out early and make some shots because they know. Remember, last time these two teams played earlier this year, uh, the Packers had a Hall of Fame start to the season on defense run-wise. Yes. They, they had not allowed a player over 40 yards rushing. In the first, what, four or five games of the season, then came Ezekiel Elliott for 144 yards rushing on 28 carries. Uh, just got going. So I'm not worried about Zeke. Zeke Zeke's probably the, if he's not running back one this week, he's running back two. Like, he's very high up there. I, I, I think you can make a case that he's a, a stronger play than Ezekiel Elliott. But, you know, uh, but with Le'Veon or, Bell. Then Le'Veon Bell, too. Yeah, yeah. Because, so, because he's at home and we talked about Because he's at home, they're slightly favored. Uh, you know, they're going to have to run, you know, and they're never not going to run. Plus, <laughs> I, is Smith playing? What, uh, the offensive, who's, the, who's, the, who's their enormous? Is, didn't they yeah, Tyron Smith, he's going to be out he's there. Play, he's playing? Okay. Uh, yeah, he had a knee injury back in week 16, but okay, they just so played, played it safe with him. Okay. Week 17, then they had the bye. Because so. he's a game changer. He's the best there is. Yeah, yeah. And the way he moves at the left tackle position is just ridiculous. Uh, but, yeah, Zeke I like. You know, Dez, I think, could be the best wide receiving option on the week um, going up against these green. I think they're going to take shots, and I, I think they're going to take shots early. I think they could do that. I mean, why wouldn't they? Uh, Cole Beasley's an interesting sort of mid-priced play. Terrence Williams seems to show up every so often in the playoffs. Yeah, but he's not a guy that I'm ever going to trust in a DFS play. I, look, that's how you win tournaments. I know you do. I know you do. Look, I know you do. He could be that. He could be that DFS winner.
You know what? Two touchdowns. You're right. It's one of those ones. Two good games a year. This could be the second one. If you're going to do that, I don't know. Do you know where he's priced? Because he's got to be priced low. Yeah. So with with him being that low, that's if I'm wanted to step up on Le'Veon Bell. I say, you know, like I I I did a lineup last week and it did not win. Where I went with Roethlisberger, Brown, and Bell. But I wasn't able to find the right ancillary pieces to match with that. And that's what happens. So it's like, I've always had more success in my DFS plays where I don't have to spend the super high for one. I find like the, the, the guy who's just a great value in there. And then I'm not having to have that reach player. I'm all, all the guys are at, at a steady point. So... Um, I don't. I don't want to have a lineup where I have to reach to Terrence Williams, but I understand <laughs> what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think all the Cowboys are in good. I think everybody's in a good spot this game, and this game's going to be one of those tight ones. It's going to be one. You know, it could be won by a kicker, and if I have to pick kickers, Dan Bailey. Oh, you know I love Dan Bailey. <laughs> they Crosby ain't too bad either, but Bailey's. Bailey's I like them both. The, the, and, and you can trust them both again because it's going to be good conditions inside of the uh, of the, the, the stadium. You, you, uh, is it top going to be open or closed? You don't know. Even if it's open, it doesn't matter. You, you got it, it's just you, you're perfect conditions. So, um, is anyone going to punt the ball into the scoreboard? Jumbotron? Um, no, I think they moved that thing off. That'll never happen again. Did they? Yeah, they, it happened that first year. Right. Like, no, oh, no, no. So they, yeah, they, they moved. It I didn't know they moved it up. Yeah. Okay. They're like great guys no longer in the league. We're good. Okay. Even though, um, yeah, this this one's gonna be sweet. So I think we're good on these games, right? I mean, that's essentially two hours with some coach and some rambling and some Valverde's and some of this. Hey, yo, what's up, guys? We're just going for a hike. Uh, nigga, not you going snorkeling? I think we're gonna go on a hike. It's sea turtle fucking season, dude. Let's go. They fuck for three hours, dude. I mean, uh, that's magical. No, we're going on a hike. What? You're lost. I want them to go snorkeling with me. <laughs> no one's going to go snorkeling with me. <laughs> it's sea turtle fucking season. Uh, you got anything else you want to talk about in that game? All right, all right. Good times. We've already done the coaching upside updates, so what we're going to get into now, you know what, before we do so, give us another opportunity. Listen to this. All right, we're going to do this segment. It's going to be bitching and bitch laps. Basically, these are guys that have been good times for you and us this year on our fantasy lineups, as well as, obviously, you know Houdini's bitch slap piece is the guys that have just been crapping on you all season. So we'll keep this short. It's just kind of a supplementary aspect to this show. Um, what do you got, Stags? Should we keep it bitching and then go to bitch slap, or are we just going wild here, going ham? I think we just go wild. Let's intersperse it as long as it's clear. Bitching is Cal- Southern California style bitching, surfing, hallelujah. Got some hottie toddies running around. Um, and then um, bitch slaps. You're basically in like Sacramento. You got some slap tart, slop tarts. And uh, you're at the mall and the chicks are eating way too many uh, pretzels and shit. <laughs> Alright. Alright, hey! Jack Marty gets so mad when I, when I do this. D-Rex, D-Rexin. D-Rexin is D-Rexin. <laughs> it's true. Long day at work. I'm Val Verde. <laughs> I, I, I just don't give a shit. <laughs> I was just confused by the Sacramento talk. <laughs> I know. Most people are. I guess I've never been there. <laughs> I've been there. It's not bad. <laughs> so, you're looking for some slop tarts. <laughs> slop tarts. 
The slop tarts. Yeah, that's that's the one. That I met I met a couple of them up in Tahoe one time. Not bad. <laughs> Go ahead. Who you got? Who's your bitchin' player of the year? Like. Besides David Johnson and Ezekiel Elliott. And let's, keep, not, let's not have them be like those guys. If you want to make those guys the guys, fine. But I think it's got to be like... Bitch yeah, that's what I'm like, saying. Yeah. Who exactly. is your bitching yeah. player of the year? If it's not Ezekiel Elliott, it's not David Johnson, it's not Le'Veon Brown. I'm going to uh, just do quick Le'Veon one. Brown. I'm going to do one quick one that's self-serving. And to be honest, he bit me in the ass in some regards. But I'm going with my boy Cousins. Uh, Cousins came through... I ended up being able to get luck in in my leagues. A guy that I was super high on, who ended up finishing higher than, than Cousins, I believe. Uh, I looked in yeah, a couple weeks. Three points. Three, three points, real close. All, there's a number. But of he guys. played in one less game. One less game. But I loved Cousins going in. I just thought like the, the, the talents he had, and I actually thought the Reed would have a much better year. I liked the talent he had, and that proved right. He had a lot of weaponry around him. The running game wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I liked Jones going into the into the season. Uh, I guess that'll uh, that'll be my bitch lap in a minute. Uh, but I liked uh, Cousins. But Cousins actually was my backup in every league because I was able to get. I went maybe a little higher than you usually do. Uh, one league I had I drafted Brady, so I had Cousins in my backup. That was good. But then there's games. So Cousins is my guy. But there were a lot of times between having Luck as my number one or Brady as my number one that it was frustrating because Cousins would have some explosiondo games and he's on your bench. Um, so that was a learning lesson for me. Um, when I'm all in on someone, and I was all in on both Luck and Cousins, um, it's still good to get that value, but it can be a headache. When you've got two kind of... Uh, and I, I seem to have that every year. In year, seasons past, a few years, I always had Russell Wilson was always on my bench scoring like the, the third most amount of points, and I was just sticking with my number one quarterback. So that's just food for thought. Like, just know that if you're all in on a quarterback, sometimes just know. Trade a, a, your second quarterback and stream if something bad happens and see if you can get some value as opposed to having a lot of a quarterback points on your bench uh, for a guy that's killing it as well as your number one. Well, it, it go, I, I don't know. As I go back and forth, it's like this year I had Dak Prescott and uh, Andrew Luck. So I was able to have Prescott, who I picked, it was a salary league, so I picked him up at like two bucks and uh, at the beginning of the year, and then all of a sudden he becomes a guy who's, I'm now in a dilemma. Who do I start? Do I start Dak? Do I start Luck? And, and I had to swap a couple times back and forth, and it was the right move to do. But I'd rather have that guy sitting on the bench scoring points, as long as I don't have a dud, right? You know, than have him on someone else's team potentially scoring against me. But my thing, my thing one is that I'm taking like a walk in the fifth or sixth round, yeah, and I'm taking a Cousins, you know, in like right. the twelfth round. Well, no, and the best part is if you can trade that other guy to bring value back to your that's team. That, that's the whole thing. That's, you know, that's the whole thing. But if, if you I don't trade that guy, but if you can't, good. it's still not necessarily horrible. Because as we all know, there are those weeks where even the guy's number one, and I had a week where Luck was facing Denver or something, right? And you're like, I'm not playing him. And Dak is playing against, like, Cleveland or something. You're like, hello. I think we all know Dak was, was, was also a better second half. He was a great. He was a great. Well, these all, all my questions came in after week eight, but it was when it was necessary. But Who's your guy? Who's so your guy? My bitching guy, you know him. My bitching guy is Derek Carr. 
I was so high on this guy from the beginning of the year. I initially had him in my top six or something. And where did he finish overall? I don't know. Like, I, I guess we'll just do bitching quarterbacks since you guys both are no, with that. Well, no, 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 we'll just, do another okay, round. I thought he was going. Happy to do I thought it. he was going for his bitching running back, who I already know who it is. Furry. <laughs> Uh, but Farco Furry? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When, 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 what Derek Carr was able to do and, and the progression that he's been, has been making, and, and this is one of those things where you, you, you see it with some guys that it's the, their game is just getting better, and their game is getting better. His game is only going to get better, and he seems to be taking astronomical leaps. Kind of the comparison that I'll give is the guy who came in, he's like not as touted, like his car was not this guy that was like, oh, everyone's like all on cars. It's like he built himself into it. He's kind of like Jimmy Butler here in Chicago. And Jimmy Butler, I don't know how many other NBA basketball players have taken as many steps up in their games as Butler has from his rookie year, uh, from being the guy who just comes out of Marquette, who was like couldn't find the floor, to, to, to then being the guy you know, who's elevating to here. Now, oh, he's elevating to being the star of the team, and now he's elevated to be one of the top ten potential players in the league right now. Just so you know, he's on the trading block, and I, I almost, I almost guarantee he's not going to be a bull with, by end of February. And you want to know what? If you ask me, <laughs> you ask me, no. But I, I love the progression of everything he's done. He's amazing. But I'll tell you this, if you can turn that into, yeah, into, into riches because yeah. someone's going to give you something. But I like that. I don't see as much in the NBA where you get that value in return like you do in the NFL from the windfall of getting draft picks because at least in the NFL you can get a draft no, player no. in the first, second, third round. Whereas NBA, NBA it's like the, it's the first round and the first eight picks mostly. And sure. then and then you got to be a great draft. Yeah, and also every first round pick traded is protected for the first five years, yeah. and then finally you can get a lottery pick, and it's like, oh, okay, well now we're seeing that coming to fruition. Yeah. Okay, so my bitching quarterback of the year. Yep. Uh, you guys guessed it, Marcus Mariota. Uh, the Mariota train. I like your game show <laughs> stuff, Marcus Mariota. Come on down. You're the next contestant on Bitchin' with Stats. <laughs> now, that was a good diet track there. Good. I like that. I like it. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd want to be on that that show as a contestant. And car trucks. So, Mariota pretty much had you know, a stellar start to the season. In between week 5 and week 12, there wasn't a better quarterback in fantasy football to own. Um... What he was able to do on a weekly basis and just, you know, dominate and throw two or three touchdowns in pretty much every game he played uh, in that stretch was awesome. And you just saw the dynamicism uh, of what he could do when he took off. And he didn't do that very much. I mean, I still think there's room for him to carry it 80 or 90 times in a season in a Russell Wilson-esque manner. Uh, but what do you rush? 69 times? 59? 69. 59. 57. Yeah, so there, there's still room for him to make it in this 80 to 100 rush range, and then he's going to provide big, big value for you. We saw a, a couple some more yards you know, in the rushing game. Uh, we didn't see a big uptick in touchdowns, but that could be something that comes. Uh, down the line if they're going to use DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry to where he could just come off the backside with his own read. And there'll be those opportunities that you see from fucking Kirk Cousins, who isn't a better running quarterback than Marcus Mariota. 
Um, well, I like what, I like what you say with the, how how run heavy this team is and how many fantasy points this guy put up. Yeah, I mean, obviously he needs to run more, and then it's just ridiculous. But his passing game season two, let's be honest, we're looking around. You said you want you want the uh, the, the fellow Mike Williams or some kind of game changer. Let's be honest. Richard Matthews is that was his best uh, uh, yeah. wide receiver this year. And this guy, dude, that not, dude was good. And, and obviously, wide receiver uh, Walker's awesome. Uh, but he's getting older. If you give this guy some weaponry around him, that passing game with the way that that running attack, it's just going to keep getting stronger. But I don't think that's a negative towards what he can do in fantasy and passing. So the fact that that's such a run-heavy game and his second year in the league. When you thought going in that he was going to be doing it with his legs, and he's not. He's doing it with his arm, and the people he's throwing it to are basically middle-of-the-road style. Get that guy some talent, the sky's the limit, and give him, a, and, and like you said, have him be rushing a little more. Woo. Yeah, I, I think those are things in this next season that we're going to see a little bit more. We're also, you know, they're going to open up the game plan a little bit more year by year and those passing attempts are going to go up especially you know we've seen this guy be so goddamn you know great with the ball in the red zone and and that's just something that coaches are going to trust him to throw it because he's not going to give it up in the red zone um so i I really like Mariota's trajectory going forward he finishes a top what 10 quarterback this season you know I, i think he's got top five potential next year maybe even more so he's gonna, he's the injury? guy I'm going to target. Is his, is his injury just a, a heel and come back, and, or is, is, is there a hurdle there? His is a little bit more serious than Derek Carr's. There is some other sort of damage, but nothing like to the knee to where it's going to take a full year to rehab. So I expect Mariota to get back out there early. Uh, and he, we've seen that he's a guy who's going to work, work, work. So I, I look forward to new things from Mariota. Cool. I'll do a, I'll do a bitching quickly, and we'll, let's move through so we got some bitch laugh, and we'll go. I'll just do a quick bitching um, for Demarco Murray, as you said. I love that guy, and, and to be honest, I thought he was going to do much better. He there were so many opportunities I've said it on the show in the past where he got you down to the inside the ten, and he taps his head. I'm like, no, no, you're just you got two more carries, and then Henry goes in and. Braden gets the touchdown. You're like, oh, Jesus Christ. And it was very frustrating. But what you do love with this guy is the fact that the pass, he's essentially, in my opinion, the third or fourth best catching running back in the league at this point. And you would have never thought that. That was the reason why they hated him in Philadelphia. They didn't think he could catch him. They they ran him out of town because he didn't work with Chip Kelly's. uh, And that's something you love. The guy had 53 receptions this year, six, seven targets. Um, three touchdowns. So I really like DeMarco Murray. I, let's just breeze through him. You know, I thought there were more opportunities left on the table from him tapping out and going off, being tired. Um, but, and, and, and that was the reason why you guys were low on him. And Derrick Henry was going to be a beast. And he was, it was much more of a first half of the season, Derrick Henry was much more of a, a, a snoozer. The second half, Derrick Henry started really poaching. So, um, we'll see for next year. I think that I think that'll help Demarco lovers because of the Henry and the touchdown stat. Even those numbers, Demarco Murray will still slip a little bit more because of the upside of Derrick Henry. Use that to your advantage, like I did in drafts this year. I was getting yeah. I was getting Murray in the fifth round. Yeah. What? But the thing is, Murray's he's price the fifth, is going to be. He's the fifth running back. Murray's price is going to be interesting. 
because if he's going in the second round, then I'll probably be off. But if he's going in the third round, you know, you know just that price difference is going to make all the difference in the world for me. Absolutely. I think because of Henry, though, it'll slide a little bit. We'll give, a, give, give, a, give a little uh, bitching uh, for running back for you, buddy. Huh, for me, it's, it's, it's simple. It's Frank Gore. Okay, the old ageless wonder puts up over 1,000 yards uh, rushing, puts over 1,300 total yards on the table for you, gives you eight rushing touchdowns. Eight total touchdowns? Yes. Well, okay, I'm sorry. Four and four. Eight total <laughs> touchdowns. You're quick on the trigger there, my friend. And, well, where was Frank Gore in ADP? The 26th rated running back. Finishes a 12th overall running back. So... When I think of where you're able to get this guy, and I, I, I had him in a dynasty league where I drafted him as a rookie, and I traded him about five years ago, brought him back to my team this year. Uh, he helped lead me to a division title. I'll play all the cards. I love it. And why am I bitching on this guy? I'm bitching on him because you know what? He's just one of these players that you could just plug in, and yes. You knew from the beginning of the season that he was not going to be a top five running back. He's not going to give you 1,500 yards and give you attempts at 15 touchdowns or anything like that. But you know what? The floor is amazing. And the fact that he's done it for as long as he has and that he was a guy that I picked up and was thinking, you know, maybe he'll play a week here or there. And he became a guy who's playing nine, ten weeks of my, my, uh, you know, 13-week regular season. That's awesome. Before we go to the next one, what site, just for our listeners, what site are you using there to get ADP from last year's draft? That's Fantasy Pros. So Fantasy Pros, when you're doing your audits of your drafts and of your leagues this year, which is important to do, we'll talk about it many times in, in shows coming over the coming weeks, but do the audit of your team, figure out what the team that won it all, if hopefully it was yours, did right, what the team, but look back in your drafts, what was the ADP, where'd you guys go, look at your drafts, and, and realize kind of the, where the value is. So go to Fantasy Pros and use that ADP tool. That'll help you now because it's it's kind of, hey, where did guys go four or five months ago? So. When you're seeing he was 73rd overall, so that's in a 10-team league, that's an 8th-round pick. Yeah, no, I know that he went basically 7th or 8th round in every draft I was in. Uh, great value there. Stags, we going with him. Oh, I'm in a major toss-up. Uh, one, guy was definitely, one guy was definitely <laughs> higher on in the preseason was Melvin Gordon, but I think I'm going to change it up. I'm going to go Jordan Howard because he was named to the Pro Bowl today, uh, being the first Pro Bowl running back from the Chicago Bears since Gale Sayers to be named to the Pro Bowl. Uh, you know, a Bears rookie record. There was a, a month in the season in November where he holds the record for most rushing yards by a rookie ever. Um, he, he just had a great season. And you look at, uh, he was able to accumulate, what, 1,600 total yards. Uh, He's got room to grow. He was one of the best after-contact running backs in the league. I test test extraordinaire. What week was it that he actually became the starter? Because he was behind Jeremy Lakeford. I want to say... It was like week four because like the first three weeks, I don't think he got... It was week four because that's when, uh, you know... Uh, Jeremy Lankford was injured in the middle of week three. Right. So we got nine carries in week three. Uh, and, you know, in that game, he had 45 receiving yards. 
Uh, 45 rushing yards, 47 receiving yards, and then he went on a string of three straight uh, games with 10 or more fantasy points. Had a couple rough games towards the middle of the stretch, and then just from week 11 on, 9.9, 12.7, 29.7, 11, 17.3, 12.8, 13.5. And he just was the model of consistency over that stretch. And he wasn't even getting as many touches as he should have. Yep. Those of us here in Chicago know, oh my God, the guy's gaining six yards a carry and you're only giving him 12 or 13 carries in a game. As far as uh, Chicago fans, and you know, we love a Forte, he was a great player for us, but inside the 10 yard line, inside the 10, what we had to go through with Forte, even inside the 5 and the 2 and the 1 with Forte, there was not a worse guy in the red zone and up close to punch it in. Howard, just a powerful beast of a man. You're feeling real good inside that. If you've got a first and 10, you're feeling real good that they're going to give a two or three carries, and no matter what, Howard's going to get a touchdown. And what was the week that he did it? He had a three-touchdown week. Yeah, played 14 or 13 them. in the playoffs? Uh, for week 13 against Week 13. So first against week in your fantasy playoffs. Boom, the guy lays it down for you. Against the San Francisco team, that was bad. So, well, but, but, also, but I remember also when I played against him in week 15 in the playoffs, uh, the game before the championship, he had a terrible first half and then started rifling it off and lit up like, you know, 80, 85 yards in the second half. So the Fox in that offense is going to stick with them and they're going to stick with the run. So I love that call. And um, the thing with it is they're sticking with their offensive coordinator, which I don't technically agree with, but, you know, it's a good thing for Jordan Howard. Uh, he just like, so it's known. He was the second leading rusher this year. So, Ezekiel Elliott, number one, uh, he, had, yeah. he, had, he had plenty more. He had 1,631 yards. But Howard was the second with 13-13. It's unbelievable. And, and, again, did not start the first three games of the year. Yeah. So and it only had that. 251 carries to do it. What was his yards per carry? 5.2. 5.2! Yeah. So he had he had two hundred and fifty two carries. Elliot had three hundred and twenty two. Seventy seventy. And the other thing too, I don't know if any of these things that you're looking at have the stats of like how many runs he had of over twenty yards. While he didn't give you like the eighty yard touchdown big runs, he was just he had ten rushes of more than twenty yards. Ten. He he looks great. So just think about that. Just ten rushes gave him over two hundred yards. Right. One now. thing I'll say out of this that we've seen out of the NFL, and then let's let, let's uh, move on to the, my wide receiver, uh, who I don't even know yet. But uh, <laughs> one thing you'll start seeing is running backs out of Indiana after Tevin Coleman and uh, Jordan Howard, talented running backs in the Midwest and around the country. You're like, you know what? I can get drafted if I go there. West. It's from Alabama. He but went you know, to UAB first. But you know what I'm saying. Like yeah. Guys are going to be like, hey, I can get drafted out of uh, Indiana do, University do, do as know? running back. They're going to start getting better and better and better players at that position. Well, they should. But the other thing is, too, is that he's also a testament for hard work. He was never one of these guys that was ever – he wasn't even like one of the top 100 players in his state yep. when he was coming out of high school. So, you know, this was an unrecognized guy who just – Put in the work, and is and this is also why, and this is your type of player, D. Rex. Yeah. You're the effort guy. Yeah. You're the guy that loves the player that just puts it in all the time. This is Jordan Howard. Love it. No, it's true. And there's so many guys like that. I love it. All right, why? Well, I mean, I'll pick one. I'll yeah, pick you know what? I mean, I've got it. Well, you know who mine is? It's Mike Evans. Yeah, well, that's what I was gonna say. I, he's so high that I wanted to. But no, but he, but yeah, he wasn't go high going it. into the year. I mean, no, he go was for it. I like the number ten wide receiver taken. And this was on belief of, you know, again, 
I was super high on him because I've been high on Winston, and yeah. part of the reason why I was high on Winston was because he's got Mike Evans, and Mike Evans could have had the most unbelievable season in 2015 had he just caught seven, just seven <laughs> of the drops that he had, and he had some big drops where it's like would have been 70 yard gains. You know, I mean, I could literally pick seven plays that would have given him at least 600 yards and four or five touchdowns. No, no, no question. And that's why we love one of the reasons why we love him so much: progression of Wilson, uh, Winston, and then him being able to bottle it up and not make those drops, and just the sheer target. And that was that turned out to be the truth. He's the number one target guy, and we, that's why we were loving him. So size, talent. Coming into his own in his uh, third year. Drops uh, aren't everything. Drops no, aren't everything. And, and, and we just, like, nobody in the league is going to get more opportunities than Evans. And, and the best true. thing is, is when a guy is going as a 10th receiver taken overall, and that means he was going number 20 overall. So he's like, at the end of the second round or the beginning of the third round, you're talking about that you didn't have to, like, people who are, are trying to get that value out of their first round pick, and now you're getting it toward the end of the second round. So, where the value for, for those players were, you had a, maybe the third or fourth pick in the draft, and then you could get Mike Evans coming back. What you could have done with that? Perfect timing to say this, and uh, he was my he was my guy as well. So <laughs> we'll kind of bundle this together, and it'll be one. Um, uh, there, there's there's another dude that I like that I picked up, uh, Devontae Adams, but he's not even whatever. One thing that we talk about and preach in the preseason in our draft kit and in the off season and our strategy. If you like a guy. Go out and get him. And there was two leagues that I was in that I was in the middle of the road. One of them, I think I had the eighth pick or seventh pick. And my second round pick, I took Mike Evans early. And you hear the chatter. Oh, my God, dude. Way too early, dude. Wait. I remember just hearing that and being like, that's my guy. He's my guy. Don't worry about it. He's going to prove you right. He's going to prove you right. And you get that chatter. Don't, if you love a guy, go get him. Who cares what people say in that draft? Because I know at the end of the season, like, too early? Sure about that? Sure about that? Oh, and there were seven, six picks before and after him that he smoked. You know what's great, too, is that I like when that guy also happens, when the worlds collide and everything's perfect, when that player is a third or fourth year player, where they're still ascending, right? Because... As we saw with Antonio Brown going into this year, how could he go anywhere but down yeah. from what he did in 2015? Yeah. What he did in 2015 is, is record book worthy. Yeah. And so you have to know when that you're, so when, when you have a player on the rise that's being downgraded, I love that more than, and I also love the guys, it's the same team, same thing on the other end. I love the player that had the high end performance. Didn't give no. you the season that you that you expected, and that's why Mike Evans you dropped because Mike Evans was expected yeah. to just um, um, automatically have an amazing year last year that was like on top of the world, and it didn't happen. And he had it this year instead. But now Brown, Antonio Brown, will now fall toward the end of the first rounds next year, maybe even in the second rounds next no. year. No, you don't. I don't know. He's still no in contention first. for no the first. first. Well, especially after he goes for what was it, what were those first two catches that he. <laughs> <laughs> against Miami, the two touchdowns. He's still he's, he's still a first rounder. But but he's, he's not going to be. He was he became a number one pick in a lot of leagues this year. 
He's not number one. It, it, he could be. Could be. There, could there's be, but, arguments to be made that Antonio Brown is still I don't you know, know. a safer pick. I, I, I would still say safety. that you're going to have the yeah, people that are going to go with – Well, but safety, you can say Ezekiel Elliott with the with the workhorse and the David Johnson with the – Injury uh, rates for running backs. And the Le'Veon Bell. for running backs. Suspension for Le'Veon and Bell. And we also know that the only players that have scored over 300 fantasy points forever have been running backs. So – I'll still take my Ezekiel. I'll, uh, next year, I'll go. I'll, I'll buy the guy. In standard league, sure. Ezekiel, David J. Johnson, and. Uh, and it depends on the leagues I'm, you play. I, I, if you I, play I'm in full. If you play in full. But there, you guys are both making the same. It's, Ezekiel has got a better chance to get injured. There's, again, we say this before, but I, there's. I pretty much think that Antonio Brown's a 16 game guy, and he's gonna get you. He's gonna get you either 220 to late, uh, later in the 200 point. Oh, we have all off season to discuss it. No, we do. Go for your guy, and that's gonna be the beauty, guys, listeners. We love the off season, and we talk we, about this crap. Yeah, because during the during our matchups and during all, the, there's only we're, we're we're locked into what we can do. But this, we can really argue and discuss and go nuts, and it, it's a much more fun for us. Stacks, who's your Wide receiver. Who do you think I'm going to go with? Uh, I just, you think I'm going to go with Tyrell? Is that the usual? Oh, no, I'm going to go with T.Y. Hilton. He was the guy I had as a top 10 wide receiver going into the season. I didn't have too much Dante Moncrief belief. Uh, I thought he was. Dante Moncrief is a wide receiver two or three. I, I didn't think suddenly he was going to surpass T.Y. Hilton and suddenly be the guy like some other people did. Uh, we thought the yardage was going to come from Hilton. It definitely did. Yeah, Moncrief might be the guy who gets touchdowns. But Andrew Luck's go-to receiver, until proven otherwise, is fucking T.Y. Hilton. And that, that's all there is to be said about it. He was the league leader in receiving yards this year. And while it was down in the last couple of years, it's, it's still an impressive feat for a guy of T.Y. Hilton's stature to lead the league in receiving yards. And we've now seen him put up you know, multiple seasons uh, in upwards of 80 catches. And now he got into the 90 catch range. And he's got, he got had 155 targets. So I, I think you know T.Y. Hilton's a guy who's going to get 10 targets a week for you, and you know he's got the potential for 1,500 yards on those 10 targets because he's just such a dynamic playmaker with the ball in his hands, and also he's such a great route runner that he can beat people deep. And that's even even yeah. even above and beyond the route running. He is a great route runner, but in when he gets going. When he gets his speed and he can either drop down and, and find his own or he keeps running using that speed and that change of pace and pumping it up or going across the field, he's the most unguardable guy in the league. He's smart enough, run, best run, route runner, and he's so fast he's unguardable literally once he gets going past that, that 12-yard zone. Not only that, then you add on top of it the fact that he's been with Andrew Luck since he's come into the league yeah. and this is that development and that growth and that hey we've been playing together for so long we're, we're in tune we're in sync this is where you get the Jerry Rice to Joe Montana's you get the Marvin Harrison's to Peyton Manning's you get the uh, Antonio Gates to Phillip Rivers this is Andrew Lux is T.Y. Hilton one thing I want to say and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at this and it's going to be a part of my audit too. I know that our first version of Tears last year, I had like T.Y. Helton at number four or five. And I started listening and buying in and paying attention to you guys, which is good. 
and paying attention to the industry as a whole and le looking and getting information and changing. And I always had him higher than a Moncrief, but I, I moved You know I'm always about his job, though. I you know I'm always on I think all of us. I think all of us are all Hilton guys, but I had him like literally like number five. I, had, my first I gave year. him a Valentine's card last year. And he kept moving backwards the whole time. And... Uh, that was a mistake. I don't know. I don't know why. I just thought that there was more. You're the one that always says, "Believe in yourself and trust yourself, and don't let anyone fool you." Valverde. No, may I ask you a question? Okay. I want to please my wife here on our honeymoon, but I don't know what I'm doing. Are you having difficulty sex-wise? Do you not know how to use this? I know how. Have you had sex before? We can. Why? Our religion. All oh, right, because of God and everything. Hey, listen, that's not going to be a problem because God should be present in the bedroom. Just tell me specifically what I need to do. You need to penetrate deeply and stimulate the clitoris simultaneously. That's what you've got to do. That's what it's about. If you can evolve the anus in that, that's absolute perfection. <laughs> I'm a big Russell Brand fan. Man. I, I like that guy too. How come he doesn't? He, he doesn't get the. Uh, he doesn't get the opportunity. Oh, if we haven't mentioned, obviously, this is forgetting Sarah Marshall. Oh, I and, already forgot. <laughs> and and uh, don't forget because I have enough sound bites. Next week we're gonna forget Sarah Marshall some more. Okay, fair and enough. No repeats. I like it. I like it. All right, this sucks that he's the number one guy. Um, you know what? I'm gonna go two guys quickly. Uh, at the tight end position is my bitching. Number one guy, Kelsey, I was super high on. I think a lot of us liked him a lot, uh, but no, ended up number one. I'm pretty sure I was the highest on him, um, but definitely still year two, the highest again on Tyler Eifert. Sucked he had to start out the season hurt, but when he gets in there, he just gets, he gets, he's a little touchdown dependent that, that came down a little bit this year. Uh, but Eifert, I'm still all in in, in a uh, in a keeper league next year. I think I got Eifert in the 21st round um, in my drafts this year. I just looked and I did an evaluation, an early preliminary. Who's my keeper for next year? I just think at 19th round, I couldn't really find. The only other guy that I thought was in that zone was a Robert Kelly, I think was my 23rd round pick. But I, I got to take an Eifert with my 19th over a Kelly with my 21st. Uh, but Eifert, love that guy's game. He's not going to do the Pro Bowl this year. He said he'll never do anything like it again. He's obviously got an injury issue attached to him. Um, but... He, he's you're gonna be able to I don't know I'm not gonna start throwing out rounds but you're gonna be able to get that guy after the fifth round um, fifth to, to eighth round I think maybe I'm wrong but uh, we'll see as the ADPs uh, start moving in towards draft time but love and Eifert there's nowhere else to go hopefully they change that for the franchise I want the Bengals to get another uh, secondary wide receiver for AJ Green but uh, Eifert and uh, Kelsey. All right, those are my bitching guys this year. I was, I was pretty high on them and, and, and glad they uh, they came through. I was I for more so on a um, he he had his moments. He didn't really finish off that great, but uh, he only played how many games? Like eight. Eight. So he played half the season, and he had um, he pretty much bowed out for you in the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, he got it. He was that's, he that's the worst last, part. Yeah, that's that the sucked. Part. Uh, but at the end of the day, Gronkowski was about the what seventh or sixth uh, ADP first round, and uh, Eifert. Um, they, they played the same amount of games, but he had three point two points less. You know, the, for me, it, it, it's hard, right? To because 
I, I feel like what Stan was saying, this is just a horrible year for the tight ends, but the guy who's been my guy for what, four years, five years, is Greg Olson. And Greg Olson still did it again this year. He's one of only two tight ends that had over a thousand receiving yards. He had 80 receptions. He was one of three tight ends to have over 80 receptions with Travis Kelsey being the highest at 85. So, um, and you got him at a ADP value as a third tight end, 41st overall. So uh, whether you're in a 12-team league, it's in the fourth round. If you're in a 10-team league, it's the beginning of the fifth round. That's not bad. And, and the best part is this. One thing that we know is that where Kyle Rudolph was the guy who finishes as number two scoring tight end on the year. He had almost, all TDs. There was, it was all TDs. It was four more touchdowns. Was it? it was seven touchdowns. He had 840 receiving yards. <laughs> But it was it was eighty three catches, but that's actually not he TD dependent at all. No, but when you compare it, but he was he definitely you, out of his catches. You, he didn't have as many yards. When you compare it, it's like the, right, dip, the difference right. between yeah, the two of them was point seven points. Four more touchdowns for uh, Eifert, two hundred twenty three or thirty three more receiving yards for uh, Greg Olson. I'll I'll still always volley to the guy that has the more receiving yards. And especially because Carolina's offense, from the Super Bowl team that they were uh, a year ago to the team that they were this last season, is completely different. One reason why I like Rudolph um, is because obviously he had the most targets. He had 132 targets, uh, most of any tight end. And they already said, Zimmer's already said that friggin' Bradford's earned the job. And we know that Bradford's going to be a check down to the tight end guy next year. He's not going to all of a sudden start airing it out. Yeah. So Ru- Rudolph's trajectory with the Bradford is real nice heading into next season. But where are the yards going to come from? Because this is one of those things. Now, granted, granted I'm not saying seven touchdowns is... Something that he cannot accomplish again next year and give you the same type of thing. Yeah. But is there going to be the growth in his game? Because this is the one thing for Kyle Rudolph. I think 840 yards is his career high. Yeah, he's been a guy who, by far, because it was like 495, 493. 495. But how many touchdowns had he scored before? Because that was Well, he had a nine season yeah. in the second right. year. Yeah. He's, he's had the propensity to be this guy who scores the touchdowns. But can he really add on the yards? And, and you know, remember going back, Dog Manic had been so high on Kyle Rudolph. Yeah. All this, he's going to be putting it through the roof and doing all something. Well, well, it's not necessarily happening. He's scoring touchdowns, but he's only getting 400 yards. So 30 yards a week and a touchdown is not winning me fantasy weeks. Give it, give it tight end, and then we're going to have to just do some quick bitch lap around the horns. No, screw it. We'll save it for another one. Nah, we'll do a quick. We'll oh, do one each quick. We don't have to explain one each why. Quick. Right, yes. from, the, from the fantasy playoffs. From the fantasy Yeah, no. who, who failed you? Oh, you went all year long failure? Okay. Yeah. All right, fine. One each, and we'll, we we'll just do one of each position. We don't have to explain One each position. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I don't think we got that kind of time. My tight end. Is Zach Ertz. While he missed a couple games at the beginning of the season and started slow, he was just able to come through for you down the stretch. I mean, uh, down the stretch, his fantasy points uh, just escalated. He had a 200 yard games. He had two, uh, four games with over 75 uh, receiving yards. He had three games with over nine catches. Uh, he just very involved in the past game. And when we talked about Zach Ertz, it's like he is going to have a Travis Kelsey-like season where he catches 800 yards and four or five touchdowns. 
and he just ended up there, you know, after sort of a slow start to the season. And, and you look at it, every year he's sort of ascended in his fantasy points per game. 4.7, 5.4, 6.4, 7.5. So he's a guy who next season can be in the 8 range. They saw that he was their most dynamic weapon uh, at the end of the season. And that's something that's going to have to continue. So Zach Ertz is my guy. And while you know, he might have been, he might have drafted him and dropped him after his early season injury, he's a guy who came through for you late when streaming had to take place with guys like Eifert going down and Garant going down and Reed being banged up. You needed a streaming tight end late in the season. And if you picked up Ertz you know, around week 10, you did great. Yeah. I, I I did in one league, and he, he he came through in a couple moments, but sadly enough, uh, I, I didn't go far enough in that league to win because he was awesome in this play. If you had him in the in your playoffs and championship, he, he he came at the right time. Depends on what time you played your championship. You know, was that week 17 that he did the Destructo mode? Yeah, yeah, 13 for 139. And whenever it's week 17, just play Zach Ertz in the end. Yeah, right? <laughs> like... Uh, basically, week 17 this year, 25.9. Week 17 last year, 15.2. Uh, week 17, or no, that was week 16. I'll play Zach Erickson. As long down as Philadelphia is not going to the playoffs. All right, let's do it. We're going to do a quick little bench lap right, around right. here. Uh, and I'm not saying we, we can't name more than one each, but let's just make it quick. And what we will do is this kind of a preliminary thing. Houdini's going to be coming up with uh, installment four of his bench lap piece. Uh, which is just kind of modeled off the guys that are really after you over all season. Well, no, 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 no. It's going okay, for it's is uh, it's the culmination. So this is looking at weeks thirteen through sixteen. So these are the guys that failed you in the fantasy playoffs, and then we also get to anoint the winners of the Golden Sombrero Bitch Slap Award. So the people who have had four times. The ultimate losers who failed you in weeks 1 through 4, <laughs> weeks 5 through 8, weeks 9 through 12, and weeks 13 through 16. Lucky them. Lucky them. I, I'm excited to see how many guys are going to be There's more than one. I, I believe it. Golden Sombrero. Um, but I think in this, we'll also in this offseason probably have another moment where we blow this and expand this out and do more of a bitch lap as a, as a, as a, as a, uh, as a longer piece just because... We love it. We know you guys love reading that piece. But for me, the bitch lap goes to my keeper in the league and a guy that just crushed it for me last year. And I was so He's just one of my favorite players, and that's an Allen Robinson. You know, you're sitting there, and uh, you get got an Allen Robinson. Probably most people that are drafting him in most leagues are going. He's probably a second-rounder, maybe a third-round draft pick for you. For me, he was a keeper that cost me, I think, my seventh round or something, maybe sixth round. And I was just, like, giddy as hell about that, um, thinking, wow, this is a guy that, that I just feel like I would be happy to take at the end of the second round. And... It's weird because he had the targets. It just shows you kind of the weirdness of it. It was kind of similar to DeAndre Hopkins, which I won't steal the thunder if that's somebody else's guy. But he had 150 targets. I mean, that's that's one of the t- that's that's. Let me just do a quick thing. That's top. Oh shit! I hit the wrong one. That is 150 targets. That is eight, ninth. So out of all wide receivers, the guy had the ninth. Amount of opportunities to catch the ball. And he finished 31st overall. Yeah, and then when you look at yards, Allen Robinson, 
Uh, well, the fantasy points, he finished 31st. But in actual yards, Allen Robinson, 34th. So you're ninth in the amount of opportunities you get, but you only caught 73 of those 150, which is less than half of the balls. We talked earlier about how... Ooh, uh, good math. Good math. I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> And then eight, he had 883 yards and, and six touchdowns. But so. also depressing is the fact that he was a 14-touchdown guy last year and only caught six this year. Yeah. Well, we yeah. knew there was going to be some regression in the touchdowns. You don't think we, there's going to be that much. Yeah, that's a lot of regression. Yeah. yeah. But everything else we expected to sort of maintain the same, and it just didn't. So that the real problem is Blake Bortles, and we've got to see more. But Al Robinson's a guy who could be an ROI value for you next year. Guys. Well, no. These are the, always the guys that I love. I love the guys that have shown you something. They have the, the, the dip year where they were drafted super high, so now everyone's bailing on them, and they become forgotten. And those are the, those are the resurgent players you should always look for. Look for the guys that are coming off of the worst years and the guys that are projected to still have their, their upside on them. Now, definitely not going to give up. Next year is a, a contract year for him, too, so I'm definitely not giving up for him on him next year. It's just a real shit, shit, shit yeah. situation. Well, and I'm going to give you my guy, too, because Alan Robinson was the other guy I was going to give a double, but the one that I'll have to give is the Kelvin Benjamin, who um, finished actually what 13 spots higher uh, overall than uh, Alan Robinson, uh, had 23 or 33 less targets than Alan Robinson, only 117, but only had 941 receiving yards and seven touchdowns. This was the guy who I had pegged as a guarantee, thousand yards and ten touchdowns. I missed. But part of it is also that the, the, the Carolina Panthers were a complete miss. I was going to bitch slap Cam Newton. Yeah, that's a good well, that's a good place to go because this team took so many steps back on offense that it just didn't make sense. They they just were a team that completely seemed to fall apart. Maybe like all those extra games and stuff like took their toll on them. I don't know. But for Kelvin Benjamin, no, he's not a burner. He's not this, but he's a floor guy, and his floor should be a thousand yards and ten touchdowns. Now, that's a real high floor. I it it is a high floor, but it's like, but I'm not. But able, he needs 140 targets for that to right, happen. 117 is not going to make it. Not because make it. he's only going to catch half them motherfuckers. I understand. Maybe less. <laughs> no, but but here's the here's the disturbing thing is that you looked at where the Panthers were and you looked at their division and you said with Atlanta's crap ass defense, with New Orleans crap ass defense. With Tampa Bay not really having the, you know, it's, it's a better defense, but it's not there yet. Going into the season, you looked at that straight the schedule and you said, oh my God, Kelvin Benjamin and the Panthers, they should still be able to take advantage of these games. And that enough alone will give you some big winners. Kelvin didn't give you any big winner games. Yeah. He was just giving you consistent games throughout. So that's my bitch to him is that not only did he not get to the levels that I thought he was going to get for the floor, he never gave me the big weeks that were ever going to win anybody a game. Huh. Yeah, my bitch slap would have been Cam Newton, but just to keep it short and sweet, there was a couple reasons why we didn't like Cam Newton, or I didn't like Cam Newton. It's because of his completions percentage, the career year, finishing number one at the position. 
bound to regress. You know, quarterbacks at, at a certain age suddenly don't start running more. Quarterbacks who rush for double-digit touchdowns, you know, they don't really suddenly rush for more touchdowns. Uh, you know, his passing numbers were so far outside of his career norms, and he sort of fell back to earth. And, you know, his rushing also very, very much subsided into the 350-yard range rather than the five or 600-yard range, and it just swamped his fantasy value. But, yeah, I mean... I think with him sometime, and this is like... This is like a re- not so much a regression, but that whole team last year was just like this kind of magical thing. That kind of everyone's like, Are these, "How did this really happen?" When that when that happens, notice it. And when there's these teams that are just so magical and everything's going their way, just know the luck runs out and it can't be sustained. Hey, look at the Bears of 2006, right? Because you had all the magical wins of Devin Hester with the, with the returns. You had the ridiculous game in Arizona. You had uh, just like bailout uh, Hail Mary games and all this other crap. And they got to the Super Bowl. They had the magical Devin Hester returns the opening kick for the touchdown, and then they get whitewashed by the the, uh, the Indianapolis Colts, and they don't get back to the playoffs the next year. Don't Better watch. example: Atlanta Falcons this year. How they sort of came up from being a middling offense to being one of the top offenses in the league. Is there going to be a bounce back to the mean, to the middle? Where, you know, you got Matt Ryan on a great value, you finished his QB2. Is he now going to be overvalued in drafts? He's gonna, but, but the difference is also, to, no, no, but here's the other difference. I look at this Atlanta team and I go, wow, now with Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman and the, and the two-headed attack that you have and Julio Jones, and now that you notice what you got in Taylor Gabriel, you actually have so much more going for you going into next year that I think that if you can add to it into the draft that you could make this offense even more dynamic. But isn't, isn't the thing Carolina got more dynamic? Because they got Kelvin Benjamin back, and they got their players healthy. So more isn't necessarily better. But is Kelvin better. Benjamin, as you've said to me, I'm going to use on, your argument of mine against me, is he a dynamic player? Here's also another thing to think of <laughs> that, that falls into this category, who, who, was, who was my bitch lap, uh, the Jaguars. Jaguars last year offensively it was just like whoa, it's passing wise at least. We were all like, oh, how the hell? I mean, Hearns, how the hell? And Robinson's going to come down on those touchdowns. Bortles, oh my God, what he finished third quarterback. And then you look, coming back down to the mean. So we will be doing more of this bitch lap. Um, we'll probably put a segment uh, in this next few weeks towards uh, towards it, but. As usual, next week we'll be back and we'll do the matchups. Next week will be the, comp, uh, the AFC and NFC championship games. We have no idea who will be playing. Uh, and we'll cover those two games. And then what's the other segment we're doing oh, next week? I think we're going to do good call, bad call. Good call, like, bad call. So we're going to go through our guys that we were high, high on uh, personally. And they'll talk about why they were a good call or what, what didn't pan out. And I think that's honest. That's us showing, opening up the curtain and being honest. Hey, I was wrong on this guy. I, I, I called this one wrong. Let's pat, pat ourselves on the back when we, went, when we went on a limb and something was great. But also say, hey, this year, going into the drafts, we were wrong on these guys. Here's what's wrong and what we learned from it and all that good stuff. Let, let's be honest. Those of you uh, in... Lesbians in, honest? <laughs> Lesbians honest? I didn't know lesbians are honest. But <laughs> uh, what I will tell you is... 
One of the things that I appreciate more, where I find more personal growth in my life, is through my failures. I don't learn as much from my successes as I do from my failures because when I have successes, things are just going well and, and you're rolling with it. When you have a failure, then you do a lot more self-evaluation, you do a lot more you know, really coming to accept what are the things that I need to do and then when you get that success afterward, then you have that fulfillment. But I think that I've always learned more from the, 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 the troubles and, and failures that I've had than I have from what I've done right. To follow up on you, I've always learned more from lesbians. Man, we love, uh, we love you guys. This is uh, excited, <laughs> excited for this week. I don't blame games. you. Um, it's awesome. We're already, you know, freaking uh, eleven days into 2017. Some exciting things happening in this world in fantasy football. Uh, God damn, we're just let's just enjoy this while we while we've got uh, got, got football going because we know once the Super Bowl is over, we're gonna be all uh, just. Uh, uh, football, football. We're gonna be missing it. So enjoy it while we got it. We love you. Thanks for enjoying and listening to us. Uh, let's do it. On the way out, we are gonna be listening um, is to uh, justice, justice, and it's fire, fire on the mountain. Not We're that not fire. That we love you guys.
I'd like to dedicate this song to a very beautiful woman that's here today. It's uh, Miss Sarah Marshall. There she is. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires goal for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.